Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 35 of History on the Table. Staying warm, Rich? Yeah, it's 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 not terrible here. It's it's just it's just like one of those gray, icy days. Like we had a mostly ice and sleet this week. I actually walked up today because we had to drop off our car and get inspected, and like all the sidewalks have like just a solid inch of ice on them. So, eh, whatever. Fortunately <laughs> for us, it was it was snow before yeah. it was ice for you. But it's yeah. just it was frigid today, and so like I'm below the vent, and I just like if you hear background noise it's it's because it's cold folks yeah. it's winter <laughs> yeah i got a space heater at my feet but i turned it off so making the sacrifice for the listeners Oof. we'll try to wrap this up before the frostbite <laughs> sets in so good we got a big big show today i know tonight. yeah we got men of iron and then i'm really excited to do my top 10 i've been looking forward to this for like I think after you did yours, it's like, oh, I should do mine in a year or two yeah. But years you went up to me because you did your top hundred, top ninety one. <laughs> oh, is that where you started? Was ninety one? I started at ninety one oh, okay. because <laughs> I started with I took all the games I had played and then I condensed it down to like, okay, what realistically has a chance? And that was like four hundred games still. Like yeah. I wasn't I was not picky at all. But, you know, like, I cut out things like Monopoly and Parcheesi and stuff like that. And then from those 400, I cut it down, and then I ranked them all using Pub Meeple. And then from there, I kind of drew the line of, like, what's worthy of, like, actually going on a list? Not that Game 92 or Game 114 is bad, but, like, it doesn't really yeah. need to go on a best of list. So 91 just happened to be the cutoff. Did you strictly go with your pub me pub me pub me results, or did you look at it and go, nah, that needs to be something different? I adjusted uh, two things. I grouped by family, so like OCS is all together. Okay, sure. And then and your number uh, ten game. Uh, <laughs> and my number ten game, and I also, <clears throat> um, I did make adjustments to answer your questions. Yeah, I mostly stuck to it um especially if something was surprising like then i kind of gave it a double glance like should this really be up that high uh, but there weren't that many adjustments okay cool it's fun it was a long process but it was it was good yeah so we got that going on we have a gmt monthly update so kind of them to synchronize yet again mm-hmm. yeah they, they published it yesterday they wanted to give us a chance to look it over that's right they said hey we got we got to get this out tonight <laughs> Matt and Rich, i've got to look at this you need to spend a day chewing it over. Yeah. I got an email from Legion in the last week, too. So they're all, oh, try- they- they're all trying to get on our show. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Legion games, and they're definitely worth, you know, we do talk a lot about GMT and MMP, and if GMT or if Legion has a new presser out, then definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We also have some Historic Fest up- updates. So... Just a quick few updates I wanted to mention before we we dive into the show. And it's mostly like, okay, what if you're not into wargaming so much? Or there's a whole bunch of stuff you've wanted to try out. We've First off, we have a new registration website. Uh, tabletop.events slash historicfest is, is the website. There's links on the main website, all that stuff. All I'm saying is you can go on there, you can check out all the new events, you can go and create your own events and register for all that stuff, but we have learn to play games, learn to play Oak and Iron, 
won some prizes there. Learned to play coin with Pendragon. Um, Mitch Lane's doing a Vietnam 1965-1975 demo in addition to his Sword Fest. <laughs> Twilight Struggle learned to play. Nice. And then Greg Schmiggins from Hamtag is going to be teaching games twice a day. And he is one of the best teachers of board games I've ever sat down with. Awesome. So, And what are the uh, dates of Historic Fest again? Yeah, August 19th through the 21st. So awesome. Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Holiday Inn in Overland Park, Kansas. Your admission includes breakfast, drinks, and snacks on Friday, Saturday. And we've added... The other thing is I've decided to add Saturday-only registration this year, cool. if you're interested in that. If this gets really popular, we can do Historic Fest East in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, and other, like, this shouldn't go missed, is, like, um, everyone gets a prize. And it's a prize draft, and it's determined by order signing up. So if you're lucky entry number 13th, you get the 13th pick out of, that's going to include new and shrink games. It's... Um, you know, old classics that are loved and played, but certainly still like good copies to own. Um, train games, Euro games, RPGs, whole spread of stuff to pick from. I won a big barbecue sauce kit last year, and I still yeah. got some of that stuff. Gonna sprinkle some of that in there too. Mm-hmm. It'll so all kinds of good stuff. I really just wanted to stress like, what if you don't really know about war games, and like. So, oh, and then we have a structured learn-to-play next war game as well. Awesome. So, and more to come. And then if you know, if you just want to set up, uh, no one took me up on it, but I really want to play. House. F- yeah, Pavlov's house. <laughs> well, you certainly you can do that. Let's say you want to play fleet. I can go on to tabletop.events. Mm. I can say, hey, I'm going to play fleet on Saturday for five hours. I'm looking for one player. Please have some familiarity familiarity with the rules or i'll teach whatever you're comfortable with but you can make your own events just to find players using that website so feel it free is to do the it. year of naval wargaming it is finished naval wargaming so you have to <laughs> you have to, you can only play uh, i had to lean back and look it's second fleet is the appropriate theater so that's that's a sort fest should we should we get into it yeah let's do it yeah so games on the shelf Games Anything on the shelf, new, new games. Uh, only one new game for me this month, uh, Shores of Tripoli, I got recently. Um, it's a, looks like, I, I've read the rule book, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm actually going to play it with my daughter pretty soon, I think. It uh, looks like a, a light-ish war game. It's um, it's card-based, um, but it's basically, it's, it's the Barbary Wars between, obviously, the U.S. and uh, the Barbary Pirates off the, off the shores of Africa in... Uh, early 1800s i don't remember the exact years but i know it's around then nice yeah that's from uh fort circle games fort circle games yes they have a few things coming out for 2022 votes for women yeah oh okay i heard of that that game i didn't know that was them though yeah yep for some reason i was thinking that was a hollandspiel game maybe just because it feels like hollandspiel sure Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Well, nice. I I'm very curious to see what you what you think about that yeah, once yeah. you finally get it played. Well, it uh, quiet month for me. Well, not quiet. It's actually been a very very busy month for me. But in terms of things coming in, uh, just cube rail games. So like you have played Irish Gage, if I remember right. Yes, I have that one, and I've played that one. And did you like it? 
I did. Yeah, it was fun. It's and it was it was exactly what I wanted, and what I wanted was something in between Ticket to Ride and eighteen XX. Good. So I had Irish Irish Gauge. Okay. Um, but then, so this all stems from, and I'm going to plug them real quick. It's Dads on a Map podcast, and they have just a normal board game podcast. They have two train oriented podcasts: the Choo Choo True, the Choo Choo Crew, and Hitting Dits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they talk Cubrays, 18xx games, and then they have the Coin Collectors, um, who do primarily coin games, but they also just did like Imperial Struggle a few weeks ago. So. Great podcast, great community on their Discord. Definitely recommend checking them out. But they've been talking, I guess they always talk about cube rail games. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I kind of went into, like, the deep end of <laughs> cube rails. So, so you and I, we've played on BGA, we've played Paris Connection. That's yes. a cube rail game, right? Cube rail adjacent. Okay. Irish Gage, been... is that definitely cube rail? Yeah. And then Iberian Gage, which is, I don't know if it's a system or new map or uh, but i mean it, the box looks the same basically yes and i did not grab i did set a limit like i went in and so i went to the friendly local game store tabletop uh great store here in overland park and I was like, i'm just gonna get a few and of course they had all the capstone ones so I'd, i had heard good things about ride the rails so i grabbed that one yeah when i got irish gauge i was debating between those two is either going to be ride the rails or irish gauge and end up getting irish gauge because i found a used copy for 15 bucks <laughs> well that's a heck of a deal yeah. on it gulf mobile in ohio which i've heard is fantastic haven't had a chance to play it yet and then iberian railways which is different than iberian gauge oh okay so anyways just super interested in them i've we played one recently we'll talk about that later and then i even did a print and play for dutch inner city which is another cube okay. rails game because really you just need cubes um, stock shares in five different companies, and then I printed off the map. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Are any of those on BGA? So, the one I've been playing, and I, I don't have this later, so we can talk about it now, is Chicago Express. Okay. And that is has been a blast. That is in alpha. I think like the game seems done to me. I'm I'm not sure what the holdup is. I think it's actually been there a while. Maybe art or some shit. I don't know. Um, that's Chicago Express. Okay. It's very good. I don't know if it counts as on the shelf, but uh, I did pay for games, so I am finally a premium member on BGA <laughs> now, so I guess that counts. <laughs> We've been, uh, we'll talk about this at the yeah. end of the show, but you, <laughs> Bo, and I have been getting our money's worth with Absolutely. BGA. It's been a blast. Yeah, so it's really just those cube rails, and I got some magic cards, and I've actually unloaded a bunch of games just to, like, I'm losing game room space um, mm-hmm. with the new kid coming. So, yeah. and you just redid your game room. So I did the basement, and then our guest bedroom was also like the guest bedroom housed a lot of my fiction books, and then like train games and uh-huh. my ASL collection were in there. And so now those have to be relocated, yeah. which means I got to find space somewhere else. Yeah, we're gonna move probably in two or maybe three years. And I'm already like, when I think about that's going to be the last house I ever buy. Most likely. I mean, that's, you know, I'm I'm almost 50 years old, so that's going to be it. That's going to be my last house. And I need to make sure that I get my game room, right? (laughs) Wherever this house is (laughs) going to be. So yeah, that's, it's going to have to be perfect. 
proper storage, <laughs> proper lighting, proper yeah. airflow, proper gaming space. Absolutely. Proper gaming space for multiple games. A permanent gaming space where you can yep. leave long term. Yeah, lots of things to consider. <laughs> and things like bathrooms, and I suppose that's yeah. important too. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Uh, what about books? I don't have anything new. So what are you reading? The War. So I'm continuing the War of the Roses book by Dan Jones, which okay. I was really jazzed about last time. I'm still loving it. It's just I've also been loading up on podcasts, and then yeah, uh, that's it. So I actually kind of went backwards on Dan Jones because my wife was really interested in it. So I was about halfway through Plantagenets, uh-huh. and we actually went back and we're we're listening to it together now. So so we're yeah, kind of went backwards on that one, but for a reason. But I've already I already have on audible i've got templars and war of the roses from him as well he's he's so good he is very good and then jason from advanced after combat told me about his new one um powers and thrones so i grabbed that one as well to read which is like is that same middle ages it's like it's everything okay and that came out in 2021 i think so it uh i think it goes from like fall of rome to i don't know i don't know i don't see dates on here but yeah the other one I've been reading, this one isn't new either, but I did finally finish it, was About Face by David Hackworth. Um, and, wow, the ending of that book is so good. I mean, it's it's a pretty long book, and as you go through it, you know, he talks, I think he actually even starts in World War II a little bit. But it's mostly about Korea, and then Vietnam, and then his disillusionment with Vietnam and the Army and everything. But for most of the book, he just he really comes across as like a cocky son of a bitch. (laughs) I mean, absolutely does. And then toward the end, you start his, as he starts like reflecting on things, it really, I mean, uh, the, the ending of the book is, is, is really quite amazing as you, as you see this guy just sort of get broken down by the system. And it's, it's, it's wild. It's a it's a true story. I mean, he was a he was a real guy, and it's it's all documented his uh, his problems that he had with the military after giving his life to it. So it's a pretty wild ending. It was a good great book. Yeah, I marked it to read as soon as you brought it up. Um, yeah. you know, at some point I'll get to it for sure. It sounds like a good one. Yeah. So I um, I need to I need to pick a paper book next. Uh, something to read. I I think the next one I'm going to read is going to be. Um, I think it's called Texian Iliad. It's a it's a, a book my wife got me uh, about the Alamo. So oh. I think that'll be my next one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I would try to tell you what my next one is, but <laughs> I so like I had checked out like a Napoleon book to to do those recommended by Liz Davidson on her YouTube. Like I just had a list, and like all of those came up. And it's like your checkout, your renewal has expired. It's like ah, yeah. but I'm just. Too much stuff, not enough time. Yeah. Lots of good stuff out there. All right. Uh, let's. You want to talk about what we've been playing? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do All games. I am right. really very, very excited to talk about one of the next two. And that's – so I played Fort Sumter and okay. Red Flag Over Paris. Yeah. I think Fort Sumter, I think I've mentioned I, I was not a fan of it. So I'm – I'm hoping Red Flag Over Paris is better. <laughs> well, let's just get it out of there. And yeah. and I don't want to dive in too deep because at some point I'd like to feature Red Flag uh-huh. Over Paris. It was also a good time to mention that this month's, meaning March's, designer on the mic, mic will be Fred Serval. Okay, cool. We're recording that tomorrow, actually. But he did not design Fred's uh, Fort Sumter, did he? Did no, no, no. Mark so, Herman, I think? 
Right. And okay. so this takes the Fort Sumter system okay. and blows it out of the water. Okay. And the theme of the game is, it sounds like, communism in Paris? <laughs> well, it's the Paris Commune. Okay. And one side plays the Commune and the other side plays, I guess, the Nationalists, or I don't remember what their title is actually now. So and is it's it a card-driven game. War One? Is it interwar? No, Paris Commune was um, in 1871. Oh, okay. Well, so, like, uh, the the revolutionaries, like, took control of the capital. Oh, interesting. I knew that I knew that Paris had a long love-hate relationship with communism, but I didn't know about that specifically. Yeah, I don't even know if they were communists either. I actually don't know much about the... It'd be interesting to read about. So, anyways, it's a, it's a card-driven game. Covering the Paris Commune, one side is the revolutionaries, one side is the national government or whatever it is. And you're basically, it's an area control game, and you're placing these cubes in different areas. And it plays very much like like Fort Sumter. Okay. There's a key space that you can control, and if you control that, you get bonus actions. But you're right. trying to control all of the orange spaces or all of the purple spaces. So that is the same. But the decisions and, and how you earn cubes here and how you kind of like there's this momentum track, which you need to unlock for both sides to really be able to like to to maintain your cubes for the for the commune. You have to build momentum. So then you got to burn a card doing that. And it's it's very quick. Like, I bet you could play this in 15, 20 minutes if you knew it. There's not a lot of cards, but the cards all feel in Fort Sumter, I just felt like I was dropping cubes in these places. And they didn't really feel connected. But, like, this game is just such an improvement on a very basic design. It's very good. Cool. Great, great is it, cards. Is it quick like Fort Sumter? Half hour, 45 minutes? Yeah, I just said it. You can play it in 15 to 20 minutes of it. Oh, quicker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, Fort Sumter, once you have that down, is yeah nothing. It's been a while since I played. I guess I didn't remember exactly how long. Okay. Uh, great map. Like the card art is gorgeous. Yeah. I uh, like. Spoiler alert! It's going to be my pick for <laughs> what I think people should vote on for March. But all right. It's good. Uh, on my table right now, next to me is Hanout, France, nineteen forty. This is uh, I've talked about this before. This uh, it's technically a magazine game, World at War magazine. Um, but it's it's the Goss light game. It's an introduction to the Goss system. Um, Goss is big, huge, you know, f- I don't know how long, big the rule book is, 40, 50, 60 pages or something. And the games are obviously all huge multi-map games, very detailed simulation games. Um, and this one is a, a, a lighter version of the same game. They even in the rule books are like, yeah, you can play this with the full rules, but you know, in this sort of Goss light system, if you want to call it that, um, you know, you take these pieces out and there's a, a shorter sequence of play and everything. But I've got that on my table right now. I haven't really done much with it. I'm just trying to push counters around and see what I like. Uh, I've played, I've kind of done the same thing with Goss. So I, I sort of know it a little bit, but i I really like the Goss system and the fact that this is just like a one map um, Goss light really entertains me. Yeah. I was surprised to see this back for another month. Yeah. Yeah. So well, uh, before I think I had it set up on Vassal and I was playing with it. Now I've actually got it on the table. So nice. Yeah. So it's also to like, this is, I think our third month in a row mentioning Fred and 
depending on what happens, it could be four. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, I guess he recommends good games because he recommended 300 Earth and Water. Yeah. This is from Nuts Publishing. It is very, very, very basic. Okay. But it is fun. So, like, it's uh, Persians versus Greeks. Sure. And, like, the Greeks, the Persians suck ass in combat. Like, the, <laughs> the highest they can get is a four. And combat is just as simple as you roll three dice and the highest number wins. And you go, it's it's very risk-like. Like, you just roll until the last one's standing. And so, if the highest the Persians can get is a four, unless you play a combat card, um, like, there's one in the whole deck that'll let you get higher than that. Um, you're gonna have you're gonna have to like outnumber. I don't know what the odds are, but I feel like two to one at the very least to actually beat the Greeks. Hmm. Um, and it's really just a um, there's a little bit of a supply game going on a, for both sides. It works a little bit differently for both sides, and you kind of had a fixed amount of resources to start each turn, which you can use to buy ships, men, or campaign cards. And so if you build up your army on the first turn and you dump all your resources in that, well, then you don't have the campaign cards that, like spread out into Greece. But if you buy too many campaign cards, well, as the Persians, you need tons of cubes or you're going to get slaughtered in combat. And ships, like, you So it those. sounds like this is a lot bigger, at least scale-wise, than the Battle of Thermopylae? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, just when you start talking about campaign and supply, I was curious about that, but that makes yeah. sense. And it's very, very simple. Okay. Like, but it's so fun because it plays in 10, 15 minutes. I mean, maybe a little longer, and there's a little bit of, like, the Persian side, like a push your luck. There's one card. It can happen once per game, and it's not guaranteed. I never drew it. My wife drew it because uh, you shuffle it back in. It'll, like, stop that turn. It only happens once, but like, yeah. it, so it can be like, all right, I got my army, I'm ready to go, let's start drawing campaign cards. So I'm going to get six campaign cards this turn. Boom, there's a campaign card, campaign card, campaign card, campaign card. Oh, I drew the one. All right, we stop, and then pick it up again. And so there's a, there's a fixed amount of turns, and you're just mm. trying to collect the most. This isn't like groundbreaking. This yeah. isn't like a go rush out and buy this, but like, let's say you and I showed up at the game store first. You could crack this out. Like, seriously, if you both knew it, you just play it, 20 minutes, done, other guy shows up, whatever. Like, if you needed free shipping on a e-order or something like that, <laughs> like, seriously, here you go. This yeah. and Red Flag are repairs. Like, seriously, these are great. We have this habit of talking about these massive, you know, sure, OCS, absolutely. line of battle. <laughs> and they're amazing. Goss. God, exactly. <laughs> and... I, I don't know. I'm really surprised by these two games. I mean, the Grognards are probably rolling their eyes right now, but, like, these are just fun. It's, it's just good dice-chucking fun. Cool. And that's that's what they are. I like it. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of huge games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. The, the next game I've got, uh, um, I'll, I'll say what it is, and then I'll set up the backstory. So, Vietnam, 1965 to 1975. This game, uh, I've got this on Vassal right now. In fact, I'm about to start playing regularly on Vassal as well. Um, this one, if you can remember back to the pre-COVID days, 
So literally like March, February, March of, of 2020, I had this game set up on my table and a local friend of mine, he was going to be coming over every week and we were going to learn to play it and play the whole campaign together. And then obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> so now, um, you know, and that was the old version, you know, that was the, the old <laughs> cart version. And then in the meantime, so now Mitch has redesigned the game. It went through P500. It's supposedly shipping. Hopefully it'll be here soon. But all this time, I've just been waiting to play this game. And I finished up about face where he's talking about Vietnam. I'm like, I really want to play this game. So I set it back up in Vassal and we're going to, we're going to start playing it again. Um, I just, I've been wanting to play this so long and I got to get it out. <laughs> nice. Did you pick up someone on the discord to play with you? Yes. Yeah. We're going to play together. We were going to start Monday, but I had something get rescheduled due to the weather. So I think we're going to start a week from Monday. Nice. And I think we're just going to play every Monday. We're going to start, we're not going to start with starlight because uh, i I've done that one solitaire and there's not much to that one. I think we'll probably start with silver Bay and that actually, and just work our way through. And hopefully if things go well, we'll end up playing the campaign. Oh yeah. We'll see how it goes. You know how, you know, you know, best laid plans on mice and men, but that's <laughs> right. the plan anyway. You know what game we're not talking about this month? And this is, a I do know what game we're not talking about. hundred <laughs> percent on me. I just stay late at the office on Wednesday. And then the other time was like, just like kiddo stuff. And, uh, we haven't, we didn't play ASL this yeah. month. So every Wednesday morning I fire up Vassal and I, I, I load up our save log and I'm like, okay, this is where we left off. This is you what just, I want to try to do today. You sit there for 12 and a half hours waiting yeah. for me. And then you get a text. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> can't do it ah <laughs> uh, well that's all right no worries yeah it's not going anywhere but i like i just think about i still think about that campaign we haven't played in a month but yeah um yeah that's good stuff uh why don't why don't you go next because i kind of want to the next two things that i want we're going to talk about we just started together but i sure. do want to talk about them. So uh next game that i've played we've played it at st louis historical gaming society um actually i think only there was really only one game on the table this month. There was a couple of guys that stopped by, but I think we only ended up playing one game. Uh, finally got to play Atlantic Chase. So um, this is one I've been wanting to play for a long time. And even like when you watch the like tutorial videos and read the rule book, you're still like, okay, I sort of get it. But the game, it just, it clicks once you start playing it. You're like, ah, got it. Okay. Yes. This makes sense to me now. And we played a couple scenarios and both of us were like, oh yeah, we got to play more. We got to play the bigger stuff. We got to play advanced rules. We got to do all this stuff and, and really see what this game could do. So I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Uh, so I, I'm curious, did you get a chance to work through the, um, the learning scenarios? Or did you just learn the day? Uh, so I watched, there's a guy that has all of the learning scenarios on YouTube. So I just oh, okay. watched all those videos and then he and I jumped into the first two scenarios. The first one is super simple. There's like sure. not even any combat, but the second one, you got to see pretty much the whole game. So nice. Yeah. I mean, except I... for we didn't use advanced combat rules, but that's probably the only thing we didn't get into. So this is interesting that it's it's almost like silver bayonet and some like this made my top um 91 games yeah and i think it's like one that could go up because now you're different than me i've only played the solo missions 
Okay. So there's training missions, solo missions, and then there's two player missions. Okay. Uh, but and you've obviously played some of the uh, opposed yeah. missions. Yeah. The second scenario, I mean, it took us. I'm guessing hour, hour and a half to play. Um, so it wasn't too long, but there was a lot going on there. I mean, as the British player, I was using every single task force. So oh. I had, I mean, all six of them available to me. And, you know, I was trying to bring in convoys from Africa and from New York, and he was trying to send guys out to hunt them and sink them. And there was a lot going on and it was a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Uh, not, okay. So, two games um that are in their infancy and let's start with all bridges burning because sure. uh which i'm also holding that game up is it still your turn <laughs> it, it is i've been so busy this week i don't want to hear it but so i we're playing with our buddy caleb and i had told him that i want to go into this game Meaning All Bridges Burning, which is a three-player coin game mm-hmm. with as much of a new lens on coin as possible. I've talked about it before. When I first played coins, like, I'm going to play a war game. <laughs> and then I play Cuba Libre. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, I'm going to play this game on the American Revolution. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a war game. And then I played Liberty or Death. Yeah. And, it's, it, and that's on me a little bit. And so this time I'm going in and it's like, okay, All Bridges Burning, I am playing a political game mm-hmm. and, and so i have this remind me who you're playing i'm playing the reds i'm playing the whites so i'm playing okay the, good so yeah. you and i are gonna fight yeah okay yeah um and for people su- that don't know the reds and whites are more militaristic the blues are like the uh hey everybody Moderates. let's hug and get along faction <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's and, three and, factions red white and blue and also, like, so this is a, the, uh, like, Polish, or not Polish, wow, how <laughs> yeah. dare I, how dare I, this is the Finnish Civil War 1917-1918. Yeah. yeah, and the whites are literally backed by the Germans, and the reds are backed by the Russians, so there, we'll, we'll definitely do some fighting. Yes, and so super early on, I don't have any, like, any kind of... Um, hint on how i'm going to feel about this game yet but what i do really like is in coin in this three-player coin everyone gets an action and the type of action sets your priority for the next round Mm -hmm. so there is no like only two people are going to act based off the bottom of the card i think that's really cool it's it was uh yeah like your decision not only impacts and it did before in coin like what you choose obviously determines what the next disc can choose but here you're also like impacting what two other players can choose it's very interesting yeah when i called my coin collection down this was one of the survivors i like this one um i how many are you down to uh five wow yeah um so another once this is played once we've gone through it and i've spent some time with it i'll have vez our our opponent Arpanen on on the show to do to do an interview okay uh so that's cool i've been like the three turns we've taken very cool okay the other thing is something i've played before but never finished a game and i'm loving it is space empires yeah so i i didn't realize that you didn't have much experience with that because there's four of us and uh-huh. i know um, 
myself personally, I'm literally just like clicking on things to see what happens. And, but it's, I mean, it's interesting because the, uh, the game on board game arena is, is good. I mean, if you hover over a planet, it'll tell you, you know, this is a barren planet. You can't do anything or, you know, Oh, there's some minerals out there. I guess I should send a miner out to pick those up. So I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing. But I can tell that it's good enough that the next time I play, I'm going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 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 past the point where I'm just clicking on stuff and I'm actually like, oh, this actually seems like it's a pretty good game. I just love like and we're playing asynchronous. And so it's you, Bill, Tom and I. And yeah. and we basically fact like. <laughs> it's it's two versus two. I mean, it's one versus one twice is actually what I should yeah, say. Right. Because there's like, there's, there's no crossing the center of the map vertically at all. Uh-huh. It, it's just two, two battles going on. And I was doing well for a while and then my dice completely failed me and he's totally wiped out my whole fleet. <laughs> so like even async Bill and I were able to like, like I just started heading south. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even like realize it like again it, it had been a while since I played but like I just colonized the green planet and I'm not green. Yeah. And so like in BGA like the planets that flip over there are going to be color coordinated for his zone, the yeah. green player's zone. And then I'm like pictures he's like, like the Michael Jordan meme where he says and I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like I asked for truce and he was like uh free Bejor, which is where I <laughs> conquered. And I was like, oh I didn't even realize like I'm in your territory. And then he sent some destroyers after me and like my scouts are like I don't know man, they're like just blowing shit up. So like my scouts have been the MVP and we've reached a truce. And I just love like you got this destroyer way out in deep space. And in the meantime, like your home planets, like made all these advancements. And I love, like, it's still like this old junky, you know, like big old clunker floating around in space out there. It's still operational, but it doesn't have like any of the new hot yeah. stuff on it. it. It's just, it's not complex. I love like the buying of technology and, yeah. and building up an economy and building up shipyards and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. There are some very specific things that I really have like no idea how they work. <laughs> like I'll send my colony ships out and I just don't really, I mean, I have created new colonies and I know that some planets are barren, but I'm not really sure what to do with them. So well, you gotta, before we play the second game, I should read some more rules. Yeah. You should read what all the texts do. You need <laughs> yeah. to upgrade your colonization tech to get barren. Ah, planets. okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's fun. It's fun the- though. It it is fun, and so I guess maybe you don't even know because you said you haven't finished the game. But like, if if you were sitting down at a table, four people play this game. How long would it take them to play a whole game? So I feel like we got through a good chunk of turns in one evening, like probably about as far as we are. And I feel like maybe we're halfway. I don't yeah. know. So and then <laughs> here's another thing I don't know how you win the game. <laughs> yeah, you take their home planets, if I remember correctly. Okay, so at the end of the game, only one guy has a home planet left? Is that how it works? I think so. Okay, interesting. Well, if if I don't roll better, uh, Bill's going to take my home planet pretty soon. It's uh, it's good stuff. I like. I would really want to spend time, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about our top five politicking games. Yeah. I want to play this with, like, Everyone knowing the game and just wheeling and dealing and making alliances and then like crossing the so like if yeah, you've never that looked could be interesting like if Bill and I just at the beginning of the game said we're not Tom you and each Tom other. are duking it out oh okay sorry yeah if we're like hey let's just go both attack Matt <laughs> right 
see what happens yeah totally and so if you're not familiar with the map like everyone picks a color red green blue and yellow yeah and there's four quadrants in the map and so there's a blue quadrant where the blue player and typically speaking your home hexes are generally safe to you typically yeah. want to scout them out you don't want to fly your colony ship and you and actually the get to pick the location of your home planet too which when i was playing for the first time i'm like uh that looks fine <laughs> yeah right you get to yeah yeah generally you don't want to like on the front lines yeah um <laughs> And so, like, you can kind of fly around. But there's also, like, a middle cross, almost, if you imagine that. And those are white mystery hexes. And mm-hmm. those will have, like, could have, like, disastrous consequences. And so, like, you kind of, you got to scout those out yeah. before you go invading someone else. And so, obviously, like, you don't want to launch your whole fleet into the unknown. So, like, you got to scout out. And then you build momentum flying through space each turn. So, the first turn, no matter what your movement is, I think you can always move one hex. And then once you get better movement on your second turn, you can fly two hexes. That was and another thing, turn, too, is I have some hexes. shit. I think I have two movement because I upgraded that, but I, some of my guys don't seem like they're moving, too. So. Well, you got to upgrade that if they weren't built after you – see, that's the great thing about Space Empires, and you can toggle this off, but I don't think I would. When you buy tech, it doesn't automatically apply to your ships. You have to go upgrade oh, those ships. Okay. So your new stuff will come with it. And that's what I mean. That's why you'll have this clunker floating around out there with old engines and, like, does it have the new attack dice and everything? Uh, unless you go back to a shipyard and spend the money to upgrade it. Oh, okay. I like it. I, this I is really why you should read the rules, Yeah, Yeah, you really should. <laughs> and, like, most of the comments right now have been, like, you know, three scouts on a destroyer or something like that. But eventually, like, and he did catch one of my miners, so, like, you can screen your other ships back. And like the priority of how ships fire at all, it all comes into play. It's very simple dice rolling, but it's it's a fun game. It and is, this yeah. is like we haven't finished, and I'm this excited about yeah. it. And the implement, I mean, I've never played it on cardboard, but BGA seems like it has a really good implementation. So yeah, obviously, if if you're playing this on cardboard, you have to keep a lot like yeah. a lot of math to do each yeah. round, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but you got to keep track of like which ships have been upgraded and there's lots of different counters like do that stuff okay um but it's good and i guess there's a counter limit too because at one point i tried to build a ship and the game told me i couldn't because i didn't have any of those counters left yes absolutely but you can can, like kind of consolidate so like you can combine all your scouts into one counter to free up other counters but they have to all be the same technology to do that got it but then if you want to break them off you need the counter mix to do that got it this month's featured game is not space empire no <laughs> but at some point it should be we need some more sci-fi yeah. on the list. uh before we get to our featured game do you know what time it is it's time for the war game 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 it is it is the war game game it's the game yep. of war games and i know what it is all right all right You've been talking about all bridges burning, three-player game. So, obviously, the game for this month is Maria. Nice. No. No. All right. Dang it. All right. So, if you're unfamiliar, uh, Rich gets <laughs> 10 guesses or 10 clues. And if he gets it, each clue he gets is minus one point. So, there goes his 10 points. There goes <laughs> the perfect game. All right. Clue number one. This game covers the U.S. Civil War. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> so... Last month, you kind of tricked me because you gave me an obvious one that I avoided. So I'm just going to go ahead and say the U.S. Civil War. 
No. No, I didn't. But think that's so. funny. <laughs> also, the pressure's on you to get this before Clue 2. Okay, because... well, that's uh, before Clue 2, I'm already there. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> sorry, Clue score 2. Oh, I okay. guess Clue number 9. <laughs> Uh, because, Did you run out of clues and you're gonna start yeah, rhyming? Yeah, again? I ran out of clues real quick with this one. <laughs> all right, so, all right. Uh, no, that's wrong. This game is strategic level. Mm, okay, so it's not the U.S. Civil War. Um, I'm trying to think. What is it? Uh, we the people is a revolutionary war and then there's one that's similarly named for the civil war is it called oh what's it called for the people for the people yeah no that's not that because you told me all right not for no. the people well all right. even if it was right i want to i want to let you just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> flout rather uh this game was originally published in 1992 okay 1992 i remember it well i was in the navy <laughs> I was <laughs> um, you were three. Oh yeah. My God, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Navy in 1992. Um, uh, there's one that's named. It's got the same name as that book. I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, I don't know. Give me another clue. Okay. Uh, this game features Rick Barber art. Your favorite artist. I know. Strategic level. Rick Barber. Huh. Yeah, right? Right? Interesting. I, that's what I thought. Yeah. No, I'm more lost than I was. I'm going to get to the rhyming clue, I think. <laughs> Maybe Strategic two Strategic level. <laughs> um, I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this game is designed by Rob Bema. B-E-Y-M-A. I don't know that name at all. Yeah, me either. Rob Bema. Uh-huh. And the game is blue versus gray. Nice guess. <laughs> I think that's a little card game, um, but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clash of Arms game, games, was the original publisher. Okay, Clash of Arms games. Um, Clash of Arms. I can't think of a Clash of Arms Civil War game. You said it's strategic. Uh huh. Barber art. Hmm. North versus South. Nope. No. All right. This game was recently republished by Compass Games in 2018. Ah, they're all republished by Compass Games. <laughs> <sighs> um, I hope they don't <laughs> the Fleet series. I made a comment about that. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, please, just. I'm completely drawing a blank on Civil War games. That's right. This is an outlier, but it is new, so. Yeah, but Compass, well, you know how, how close I am to the Compass Games scene. That's true. Um, <laughs> Compass Games, Civil War game. I can't think of any strategic level Civil War games that they had. I know uh -huh. they've done, they did like a Chancellorsville game and some others, but. Yeah, like when I think of strategic yeah. U.S. Civil War stuff, there's, including this game, about six that come to mind. Yeah, I can't so. think of many. All right, next clue. Okay. <laughs> this is a hex-based map, which is a clue because, oh, like, not all on. strategic games are, like, some are point-to-point. Point. Uh, <laughs> I already guessed the U.S. Civil War. <laughs> I guess you could guess the oh. Civil War. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Civil War. <laughs> no, you'd be wrong if you yeah. guessed that. 
All right, so now we're down to clue nine, and this is where I rend right. So this is going to be a rhyming clue. I guess nine is the maximum on points. Okay. This game rhymes with... Well, with the Japanese one, I still didn't get in on the rhyming, so... This is true. (laughs) The the boar for the (laughs) bloonion. Okay. I've only had two drinks, and I can still figure that one out. Is it called The War for the Union? It is. I don't know that game, so now I get ne- now I get to go look it up on Board Game Geek. So, we have a buddy, Carl, and Carl is actually the, the gen- one of the gentlemen I play the U.S. Civil War and the Civil War with on the Wednesdays you and I are not playing ASL. Yeah. And he has been playing this game, and I think generally speaking... Um, it's pretty good. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I mean, the map, I mean, obviously, it kind of looks like the U.S. Civil War because it's a map of the U.S. and <laughs> So, yeah, sure, it kind of looks like it. Looking at the counters here. Huh. Yeah, I don't think I know anything about this game at all. Interesting. Yeah, I, and, uh, again, obviously, because it. it took me nine <laughs> clues to get it. Rob Bema, what else has he done? That's a good question. I don't know. Empires and Alliances and the Guns of August. Okay, so I've heard of a couple of his games. So they're the... Oh, man, I'm going to forget the one that I really like. Um, real quick, I'll run down the strategic U.S. War games I was was thinking of. Okay. But part of the problem is I'm now blanking on the name of one of them that I actually really like. It's really basic, but you can add in Chrome, so I'll do that one last. But obviously, U.S. Civil War, mm-hmm. sure. the Civil War, the War for the Union, the War Between the States, which is an old SPI okay. game. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I I was trying to think of the name of that one, and it never quite came. I think I think I said North versus South when I was thinking of that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that one interests me, and Decision Games has redone that one, but I don't know. And then the other one that I actually think is really good for what it is, it's very simple combat resolution. You kind of break off into like a side battle. Mm -hmm. It's called A House Divided. And the reason I like A House Divided... I've heard of that one. I haven't played it. It basically might as well be like two levels above risk, which is fine. (laughs) Okay. But... Then you can add on all this chrome to, like, add in Civil War flavor, and that's, like, what sets it apart. Like, you get to pick, um, and that's been reprinted a few times, and you can find that for super cheap, and that's a very good, fun, light, whole Civil War game. Okay. I like how if you click through the images on the War for the Union, there's a random picture of a map with an iron on it. Some flatten it out. I don't know I don't what know. it's. It's just like sitting on top of that. I guess so, but okay. So if anyone has um, another strategic level U.S. Civil War game, not that I really need to try another one, but I would be curious if there are any that are worth checking. Have you played? Out. And the I mean Civil the whole. War? Yeah, that's the one that we have going on right now. Oh, um, that's the one. Okay, so yeah, I yeah. got it. Okay. Um, and then I haven't done uh, for the people. Okay. And I will, I guess, at some yeah. point. So, Oh, and then obviously that, that'd be the other one uh, is for the people. So I think that gets us to five or six. And when I mean, it's got to cover like the whole thing. It can't just be like Eastern theater. So almost grand strategic is yeah. really what I'm looking for. All right. Uh, well, Rich, I think you got 
I think two points. I think somebody's going to beat me this time. <laughs> I I hope anyone does. It was a little tricky one. Um, so you got two points, which is the good news. You didn't get the lowest score possible, but you also got the minimum score because I was out of clues. Other than, I guess, <laughs> just the straight title. It's tricky. All right. Should we do the thing? Should we do the... Yeah, I guess so. Well, let's move on from this segment as quickly as possible. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Uh, we have a Patreon, and each month we are putting up five or six games, maybe more, maybe less, of games that our patrons can vote on, and Rich and I vote on, obviously, of what should be our featured game every month. So this is a curated list. It's not like we're not just going to like go play spades because that's what you want us to play. But uh, these are games we want to play. And so this month we picked Men of Iron Battles Tri-Pack, which is Men of Iron, Infidel, Blood and Roses, published by GMT Games uh, in 2020. Originally the respective games, Men of Iron, Infidel, and Blood and Roses, were 2005, 2011, and 2014 releases. Designed originally by Richard Berg, and I think the co-designers credited now are Richard Berg and Ralph Shelton. Uh, So this is really three games in one, covering the Hundred Years' War, covering the Crusades in the Holy Land, and then covering the War of the Roses. Yeah. Uh, Tactical. So if you listen to our designers on the mic, we kind of... We spent a lot of time talking with Volko about Nevsky being an operational medieval game. And it's very interesting in that. And he made, you know, this isn't a tactical medieval warfare game, but Men of Iron is. And so that's that's what we have here. We have a tactical scale, I would say, maybe not quite tactical medieval warfare game. Why do you say maybe not quite tactical? Well, because I don't know, like, I guess I should have checked, like, what does one counter represent? I mean, when I think tactical, I'm thinking squad level. Oh, okay. When I think tactical, I think uh, I think maneuver, facing, and okay. I think supply rules don't matter at all. That's probably better. So. I think you are in the right there. Okay. I would definitely call this tactical. So I don't know how much more tactical you would get. For, yeah. Like for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you there are uh, command and control. You know, you need to stay a certain distance away from your yep. commander and stuff like that. But I would definitely call these tactical. So. Um. I guess, uh, where do you want to start? You usually have a pretty good idea to start. Yeah, so just, I mean, when you open up the box, first impressions of the game, um, to me, I I kind of see this as like 30 magazine games in one box. And the reason <laughs> I say that is because it's, it's definitely a system. Um, you've got a system book, but then you have three separate rule books for each of the games inside. But the maps, I mean... Almost every battle, almost every scenario has a unique map in the game. Some of them double up, um, and there might might even be some that triple. I haven't found any that do, but I know there's at least some that double up. But for almost every scenario, you're grabbing a unique map. So I think that's kind of cool. I mean, when I say it's like 30 magazine games in a box, I don't mean that as a negative at all. There is a ton of stuff in there, including maps. And it's cool that, I mean... You get you guys know ASL is my favorite game of all time, but ASL those are generic maps. You're gonna pull up map one, and it's gonna go for a bunch of different scenarios. Every single map has its every single scenario has its own map in this game, which I think is cool. And worth mentioning, and this is always important, is the maps are gorgeous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, I mean, I, you know, even with SPQR, which is is kind of gonna be the measuring stick here um disclosure but i guess like you know, like 
Charles Kibler has done some amazing maps. I know he did some work on this. I don't know who all the artists are because it kind of pulls from all the old series. And so I don't know who the official artists are. But, like, how do you make the desert outside of Antioch look gorgeous? Right. But you do. Yeah. Um, so great, great stuff. Yeah. And the terrain features on the map that yep. that really specifically affected these battles. You know, I played, I think it was Bannockburn or whatever. I think it was the name of the battle. But, you know, there's a lot of historical information in the scenario. And they're like, hey, hey guess what? They, they fought this in a swamp. And here's <laughs> how the, the battle specific rules are going to show what happened to that game. So, what yeah, and then the battle. So there's three games in one and then right about 30 or so scenarios so like each game has its own uh like play raid and yes. it what's interesting is like antioch has its own and its own rules. rule book no well no those are scenario books they don't have their own rule book oh it's that's one, true yeah i guess those are scenario yeah, books You're one right, right. rule book with yes. scenario okay. rules and play examples right but even the rule book i guess what i was thinking is the rule book does have color-coded cutouts so like this rule applies for infidel this rule applies for men of iron so yeah but some of those are just an explanation of the different types of troops yeah because really you say that i don't want anyone getting the wrong this is a very fun but also very light like this is a very easy game to pick up and that's a good thing like that's not a complaint i'm not downplaying that like oh this is a light game (laughs) no 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 like you can, uh, when I first played this game a few months back, I didn't read a single rule and someone is able to just like, all right, here's how we do the thing. Now, I played <laughs> SPQR and yeah. they share a lot of similarities, but I think, oh, I, where I was going was like, so each each game has its own play raid, but then also each scenario, like if you're just playing Antioch, will have its own terrain effects chart. Right. And then really, Usually most the, on the map, as far as I remember. No, 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 no. The, Sometimes. The, yeah, the key is on the map. Yeah. But like the cost of movement is all in so really you have this either a two fold out or a three fold out play rate card, but really it's a lot of information not even a lot of information, pertinent information on each battle, and then really about four boxes that you use for combat resolution that actually end up mattering that you'll use across right. each battle. Depending on whether it's like a charge or uh missile fire or a uh, a shock attack right um they play pretty quick um most of the scenarios i played we did not finish antioch although it is not going well for the turks in that situation <laughs> um like played in an evening an hour two hours yeah. some of them you can definitely get bigger like i saw some of them were you know three or four hour scenarios but it's a quick playing game um, and basically how the game plays is one side will start the game and they get a free activation and they activate a battle, which I think is the equivalent of a a formation, basically. It's a formation. And I think they say like roughly what a battle is like bigger than a platoon. But yeah, I don't it, whatever. So let's just say you're picking the blue battle, which will be about six or seven counters. You'll move them, they'll move and fire, then they shock, which is melee combat. Still don't under... I meant to look up, like, why do they call it shock? But basically, shock is fight, which was also a term that confused me when I learned SPQR. Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I just don't know a lot about it. Um, And then you can It's kind of the same way with calling it a battle. I mean, they do explain it in the rule books. Like, this is what a battle is, this is what they called it, but yeah, it's not... 
Yeah. <laughs> when I think of a battle, I think of the Battle of Antioch, the Battle yeah. of Falkirk or whatever. I don't think of a group of soldiers. So you have these different groups, and let's say you activate the blue group, and they all have names, so it's more thematic. I'm just right. making it easy here. And then yeah. you roll. You say, all right, now I'm going to activate purple group, and I'm going to roll under his number. And if I get it, I can keep going. But the more you keep going, you get a die roll modifier. So at some point, it will be virtually impossible for you to continue to roll. And then there's the other side will have some chits they can use. Um, yeah, you can play a, a chit to try to initiative. seize the initiative. Yeah. But if you fail on that, then they get a free activation, which is a benefit to them. Yeah, and some scenarios will have, like, you can only do certain things on free activations. But then it f flips over to the other side. And typically, you play out the scenario until one side has taken enough losses that they leave the battle. There are some timed engagements, but generally the timing rules are you pass your turn right. to yeah. advance the time. Yeah, and I didn't, the scenarios I played, maybe because I wasn't doing them properly or whatever, but we never... I mean, we used the time every once in a while we would do it, but mostly it's it's flight points. So basically, like every time you lose a soldier or a commander, you lose a certain number of flight points. And and say your 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 flight number for you to lose the scenario is is 40. So once you get up to like 30, then you have to start rolling a D10. And if yeah. you ever get your number of flight points plus whatever you just rolled and it exceeds that number, then basically your guy's route you lose. And that can mean that and you only roll at after a free activation. So right. Rich's first activation, we roll then. If Rich, if we don't hit that threshold and then Rich gets three activations in a row, we don't continue checking. So if Rich is losing at that point he s and doesn't cross that threshold, he can then like turn the momentum and maybe either like force the game to end in a draw or even just outright win, depending on how close the game is. Yeah, or just try to activate someone and rally some guys to get you further away because the, right. the, the number can go down. Um, it doesn't often, but if you, if you rally guys, you know, you can go from 31 down to 27 or whatever, depending yep. on what you do. Bring them back. Yeah. yeah. Um, generally speaking, combat is just going to be based off of, um, you know, if, if you're able to get more guys against one guy, you get some odds in your favor. There's a very simple matrix of, okay, what does a knight yeah. do against I thought that was Pike interesting, men? though. I thought that was a good I, addition oh, yeah. to the combat system. The, well, it just matrix. adds flavor, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, a knight against an archer is going to, you know, he's going to do a lot more damage than, uh, you know, a pikeman attacking an archer. A knight's just going to do better. Right. So you have that factoring in. Leaders play a small role in combat, but generally speaking, you just walk through line by line on the modifiers for combat and so the first time you engage someone they basically have different statuses they can be disordered they can be retired which means they fly back to the banner to maybe rally or they're dead yeah um and so the first time you engage someone the worst you can do is make them disordered but then if you're able to attack someone who is disordered then typically the results are worse and then that's when you can kill them yeah. and pick up the points and if you've got a line of archers, you know, if you focus fire on one guy, you can you can knock a guy out before they have a chance to do anything. Possibly. Oh, yeah. Archers are very strong in this game. Yeah. Um, so 
and facing uh, matters. So if you attack someone from the rear, you're going to get a huge amount of points. If you have one guy in front and another guy coming in from the side, you're going to get a uh, or I say points. You're going to get a lot of DRM modifiers right. plus two, plus three, plus four. Uh, you want to roll high if you're the attacker. And so maneuvering matters in this game, and um, where you face also matters. It's also very simple in this game. So in SPQR, when you move, uh, which is Tactical Ancients Battle, the Great Battles of History series, um, you pay per facing change. And here in Men of Iron, you just kind of set your facing once you're done moving. You have to face a vertex. You don't face a hex side, but you don't have to pay movement points. And it's just yeah. one less thing to like bookkeep yeah. and worry and about. And you can you can kind of get stuck there if it's not your turn. Yes. Um, going back to archers being powerful, though. I mean, if the archers if they're facing the right direction, you know, they're going to get to shoot at anybody that's you know coming, basically, and they're chasing hex. But if they're stuck in that one direction and you circle around them because you you're on horseback or something, you're going to eat those guys up. Yep. And if you line your cab up for a charge, if it's man, I made some stupid charges last night. <laughs> um, as long as you're making like good tactical decisions, generally speaking, like a charge is going to be more powerful. But there can be counter charges, and so like mm-hmm. they could either give you a negative die roll modifier on your charge result, or they could just stop it and just turn it into a normal shock combat. Yeah, and if. Uh... If they've got a shield wall up, your guys might yeah. not charge as well because they look at that shield wall and go, I'm not running Mm-mm. into that. Yeah. And there's, you know, you mentioned the terrain features, how they look on the map. You know, yeah. you'll have cow troughs here. So terrain plays a role, um, whether it's a bridge you're defending or you're yeah. behind a, like a wall of, you know, giant wooden sticks. And that's another cool thing about every scenario for the most part, having its own map as well as, you know, like if you play Agincourt, everybody is set up behind these, these stakes uh-huh. and they're already on the map. You don't need a counter to show, Oh, I've have stakes here or whatever. Cause that's the way that battle is already set up. So, which, which is a good, I'm glad you mentioned that because when I played, I was playing with, I was lucky enough to play this with a bunch of different people actually. Um, and I was playing with Mitch, and I said, this game is somewhere in between combat, or Commands and Colors, Ancients, and I assume Medieval, I just haven't played Medieval, and mm-hmm. SPQR. Yeah. What's great here is in when you set up Commands and Colors, you have to go like fetch out you know, right. 18 different hexagon pieces to set up the map. Yeah. Here, you're right, you just unfold I need it a, and I go. I need a hill here and a river here, and oh, I've got to flip this river over because I need it for yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> And then, also, it's less counter-dense than SPQR because there's so much bookkeeping in SPQR. You know, this guy's fired, and, 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 like, you just keep track of so much stuff. So, like, the density is way less in this game, and it mm-hmm. just, when you have less stuff to keep track of, it also feels like a smoother flowing game than SPQR. Yeah. I don't know if there's much to... Were you able to play Men of Iron, Blood and Roses, and infidel or no i didn't play all three i played some men of iron and i played infill i didn't play any blood and roses nice so i i was fortunate i got all three in and they all do feel similar a lot of the difference is just like yeah different types of troop that are present mm-hmm. um i think my favorite scenario i played is the one we haven't finished is is antioch because 
The Turks are, are coming in and they're staggered. It's not a guaranteed thing. You got to roll on. Yeah, it. I noticed that. I noticed yeah. that from key you, you were putting it on on Twitter and the screenshots. Like at the beginning, there weren't that many guys on. Uh uh-uh. And it fills up, and you can keep bringing them on. And what's interesting is the Crusader army pours out the front gates. And so, like, Jason did, like, a flawless, like, hinge maneuver. Like, he set up his, his – he started with a line outside the gates. Mm-hmm. And then the next guys, he just pivoted off the in and then swung out into my uh, – I had heavy cab that I was trying to charge against, like, his, his um, initial guys. And I thought I was going to destroy him. But he swung out with that whole other uh, – that first wave of reinforcements. And it was just a really cool scenario. And so, like, now he's almost – with about four hexes between each of his lines, almost fighting back to back because then there's some Turks coming from the other direction. It's it's a fun scenario. I really liked. Yeah, and like, didn't uh, I'm trying to remember your screenshot, but weren't some of the guys set up in kind of like a? I mean, I guess it's a square, but they ended up kind of looking like they were in a triangle formation where they're all facing out. Yeah. Uh huh. And that was that was cool. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think it it tells those like. I was really impressed, like, look at this maneuver that's actually happening in this yeah. game. This isn't just, like, you know, with... Right. And that's with, where I was going with that. Yeah. Like, with Memoir, and I've made this point before, in Memoir, you just run around the map. And that's why <laughs> I like the other stuff better, is because it actually feels like I gotta keep my line together here. But, like, here, I think you really, you want, one, you need to to get, like, full command of your troops. You gotta keep them with, in range if you wanna use them well. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't want one guy by himself because then he's going to get surrounded and get attacked by all three different sides and just get slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely see the the tactics of the time, you know, play out on the cardboard, which I think is cool. Um, You know, I often talk about, you know, what does it feel like to be there? But I've got my line set up. Oh, you know, oh, my, my left side is completely breaking down and... If I don't deal with that, they're just going to completely roll up my entire line. So I'm trying to get my archers into position because they're powerful. But if if they don't, if that volley is not effective, they're going to get completely run over. And I've got my knights that can just run around and go everywhere. But, you know, they can't they can't do everything by themselves. They need support as well. So it's it's good. It's it's good. It's good. It's not you know, I've ta- I really like SPQR. I think SPQR is a wonderfully designed, Great Battles of History is a wonderfully designed system. I've never played simple battles, Great Battles of History. But I I've, haven't, I've, but I haven't played it. So I've heard from Judd Vance that simple Great Battles of History is not any more simple. <laughs> like, it doesn't, yeah. I don't think, I think it's just a different rule set. I don't think it's easier. Okay. This to me feels like when someone says simple Great Battles of History, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I now think of Men of Iron. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, except for the fact that there's so much in there. I mean, this is a good coffee shop game because, you know, single map, not that many oh, counters. Yeah. And, I mean, you can bring the whole box and not set it up. But especially if you prepare beforehand, I mean, take your one map and the counters you need and throw them in a Ziploc bag and you can play that anywhere. Yeah, and I, you know what? Um, it's a bird game, which means that balance isn't the concern. Right. Um, historical yeah. accuracy is. And so you can play, like, we played Agincourt. Yeah. And you can add in balance factors to make it more even or make it more, in the case of Agincourt, I think they did design it for balance, and you can make it more historically accurate. But Mitch and I played Agincourt, 
and it was a close game. Like yeah. he really like it's not just a lost cause. He was able to punch through in the woods on one side and really wreak havoc um, before it just became too much, too many losses. Yeah, and uh, the, I, I like the way they tell you that in the scenarios because when I was looking for a scenario to play, I was like, "Ooh, Falkirk, I know that one," or you know. It, I think that's the one I was looking at. And then you read the scenario. And it's like, no, this is a, a solitaire scenario. You don't, wanna, <laughs> you don't want to play this one two sided. <laughs> so I'm like, that's cool because sometimes I want a solitaire scenario. You know, I talked about that game that I had been playing before uh, Konigsberg 45. I'm like, this feels like a solitaire game. It's a two player game, but if it's not balanced and it's not fun for both players, it can still be good as a solitaire game. So yeah. there are certain scenarios that are like that. And I think that's a good point. It's not as important to me, but I know a lot of people do care about solo ability because of the uncertainty of getting the continued activations. Uh-huh. I think this would solo very well. It's not you know quite to the level of chip pull, which you, where you have no idea which battle will be activating next, but you do have this uncertainty of well, yeah. all of a sudden command may switch over to the French. Or, yeah, and there's no hidden information either, so. Um, I don't know if I don't, I never want to assume things here, but you know, sometimes I always try to, we don't always do it. I try to talk about the historical background. So men of iron is the hundred years war. So that's English versus French. Mm-hmm. Um, infidel is crusades in the Holy land. Yep. So different crusades are represented, but typically you have the crusader army against either Turkish or, or some kind of Muslim army represented on the battlefield. And then blood and roses is the English civil war, um, covering the war of the roses. Yep. I don't know if we need to like go into the history of that one. I don't, I'm not an expert on those time periods. I find the crusades very interesting, but I just now really started diving into war of the roses and haven't done much of anything with a hundred years war. Yeah. And if you look through the scenario books, they've got the dates of everything as well. Uh-huh. So if you are curious or like, uh, you know, I, I really, I've been reading about this certain king, and I know that he reigned during this time. Are there yeah. any battles that happened under his reign? So, well, and then what was really cool here, and this is what kind of kicked this off, is I started Dan Jones, and he starts with Agincourt, and I mentioned this last month, and so then I was like, I want to go play Agincourt, yeah. And then St Albans happens, and then so it's like, all right, well, I'm going to do St Albans, even though St Albans is almost like this like street fighting scenario, yeah. basically, like, and so. Um, the battles are represented. It's really cool to be able to go like, all right, I'm going to do this. And it's not like, yeah, sure. I can do that with other systems as well, but it's just an hour to play through Agincourt. And then you get to experience and like, see how big of clusterfuck it was for the French. Yeah. Yeah. There was a battle I was reading about specifically and I was, I was hoping it was in here. I was like going looking through, I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, is this battle in there? Cause that sounded like a really cool battle and it wasn't, but there were plenty of other good ones. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that I want like some of Joan of Arc battles to be represented. I think that'd be oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, that would be. Uh, and even, uh, so we did, we did Antioch and I'd read about Antioch when I read Thomas Asbridge's book, which we'll mention but I didn't remember much about it, but there was a note. It's like, you should really go read about this really interesting siege. And so I don't know. Some of that, it has a lot of Bergisms in it, like a lot of sarcastic <laughs> marks. Some are really yeah. funny. I don't know how much of that is, is Berg or how much of that is in the, the update from GMT, but uh, it's very welcomed and enjoyable. Yeah. Cause great Ralph can be like that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So let's go. I've got a couple books that I would recommend for this. Do you, 
I mean, Dan Jones is like. Yeah, I mean, just anything by Dan Jones. We talked about it earlier. So he's got Plantagenets, Templars. Um, he's is it? What's his one? Is it called War of War, the Roses? War the, is it called War of the Roses? I knew he had one about that. So um, anything by him, and he's got others as well. Anything by him is going to be good. Yeah, so you can pretty much read those three and just like cover this tri pack yeah. of games, if you wanted to. I've talked about this book before. I love it. It's 800 pages. It's dense. It covers all three Crusades. It goes into so much detail. Thomas Asbridge's The Crusades is very well written and very interesting. So if you just wanted the Crusade piece, I would, and you're like, I've already read Dan Jones. I want more. Yeah. I would check that out. I don't have anything else for 100 Years War or the Roses. Yeah. There's a, there's a book called, so, uh, this sounds terrible because I'm like hunting for a title while we're on the, um, there's a series of books that they were, I think they were written in French and they actually provided some of the inspiration for the Game of Thrones books. Um, I think the one is called, I think it's called the Iron Throne or something like that. Huh. Um, but they were, I think only one has been translated into English so far. I've read that one book and it was fantastic. Um, and that's approximately this time period as well. Yeah, War of the Roses has a super, and I maybe the Plantagenets will have the same feel to it, but War of the Roses has a super Game of Thrones vibe to it. Like The Iron King is what the first book is called. The books are by Maurice Druon. And there's a whole series of them, but I think only one has been translated in English. I just love, like, someone gets beheaded. And yeah. then, like, some, like, his, what historians think is his mistress is out there, like, washing his hair and stuff. Yeah. That's like, you can just see that on TV, like, this crazy lady going out and, like, giving this guy's hair a good shampoo, although probably not shampoo, um, <laughs> you know, like, while he's beheaded and, like, on this cross in the middle of the town square. Yeah. Uh, nice. Any... Anything else you want to say about the game? Hmm. Uh, it's the vassal modules are good, but if you want to play them, you have because they're all have individual oh, maps. Yeah. You've got to download a different vassal module for basically each each scenario or, or or at least map. So just keep that in mind. It's not a negative because they're all free anyway. But uh, if you're out there looking for like a vassal module that covers them all, there is none. Uh, I guess one thing we can point out uh, just real quick is there was a Showtime show called The Tudors. I don't know how historically accurate it is, but I've had family members recommend it to me. I watched that. It was decent. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's that as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't have any complaints. I think it's – I'm playing through the War of the Roses is my goal. I could see myself, like, then being okay taking a break from this. And, like, if a battle pops up, then, like, oh, yeah, let's pull out Men of Iron. And it's a game that I could probably set aside for a while and not forget that much. It's a good game day one because you'll remember the rules well enough that you won't have to reword the rulebook or anything. And, like you said, most of the – I don't know what the longest scenario is in there, but the ones that I've seen are going to be, you know, a couple hours. It is, but I I wouldn't say it's, like, a good – Let's play this for the next three game days. No, no, I just, no. I just think it would have similar. It's going to feel. Which like, uh, yeah, duh. Obviously OCS is going to feel the same if you play that for three months straight. So I don't know if this is really a valid complaint, but like I could see like, all right, let's play these few battles. 
and then like kind of getting your fill of this because I don't know like how much variance there's yeah. going to be. I could see that, but I will say, so I've played it uh, three or four times. I think I've played four times. I think I've played three different battles in it. So um, there's enough variance in them that, you know, in this battle you could use shield walls in this battle, you That's know, true. you're going to get more knights and stuff like that. So I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just, I, I think there is battle to battle. I think there is from what I've seen a decent amount of variance. You're, you're a hundred percent right because Agincourt felt very different from St. Albans, which felt very different from Antioch, which then felt very different from the very first one I played, which I don't even remember what it was anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably fair. And I here's the other thing. Like, on Antioch, I immediately want to flip around and then play the Crusaders, yeah. which is pretty cool. And, and I will say this. It's not – most times I play Commands and Colors, I think what they recommend you do is, like, switch sides for balance. Sure. Most of the time when I'm playing commands and colors, I don't want to do that. Like I play, I'm done. I got my fill two hours. It can be a few weeks till I crank out another one. Yeah. Like here, there's been a couple where I'm like, oh yeah, I, w- I would like to do both of these, like see both sides play out. Cause they feel very different. Like the crusader role is so different. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the English role is just, you know, fly arrows in Agincourt. So yeah. Yep. Stand behind the spikes and keep yeah. shooting. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, good. I mean, overall, I think it's great. Yeah, me too. How great is it? All right. We need to we have quantify a list. it. We have a list of every war game ever made. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. We take a war, we take a game each episode, and we rank it on the list, ranking games from the best war game ever made to the worst war game ever made. At some Which point, we'll have Zeppelin Raider. <laughs> it, it is very much <laughs> um, at some point we will have a list of every single war game ever made ranked best from worst rich and i merely mm-hmm. just chip away the soft marble <laughs> mud to reveal it's gonna the true be, rankings it's gonna be glorious so we have 45 games ranked on the list so far rich this yeah. will be 46 how many more do we have left uh Either 46 or until we run out of games that we haven't played. Mm-hmm. That we own but have not played. And I say this every time, but like my collection is always N plus one between episodes. So yeah, like, exactly. Even though I made space, <laughs> like I filled that space with train games. So, All right. Uh, so I have a floor and ceiling. <sighs> I want to hear f- yours because I, have, <laughs> I really don't know where this one's going to go. I, I've never been less certain. <laughs> like I really? think when we did Nevsky, I was like, oh yeah, I know where this is going to go. I am the exact opposite on this one well i should review our list from time to time because like <laughs> oh yeah i've got a list like it's commands and colors and <laughs> ancients yeah. but we haven't ranked commands and colors ancients <laughs> we've we've ranked memoir and it's really not fair to compare this to that but that's that's the floor for sure yeah ceiling i'll go as high as this isn't better than onward christian soldiers now let me take that they're both bird games this is more flushed out this is more developed this is probably a better rules writing exercise Mm -hmm. but as we've talked about before i think um what's um labyrinth labyrinth is a masterfully designed game and should get points for that Mm -hmm. but that's not everything that factors into this list right although it is a completely objective list it really is completely subjective for you (laughs) so um there's those are my objective and its subjectivity (laughs) 
exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so naturally, I think the first place we have to compare this against, and this may be tough because you haven't played it, is SPQR. Yeah, and I really need to play that. And Mitch has been playing that on Wednesdays, but Wednesday, um, usually I've got something going on with my daughter. So like every Wednesday, Mitch is texting me, SPQR with an exclamation point. I'm like, yeah, I know I need to play this. Um, yeah, but I, I Let suspect me... that this is going to be higher than SPQR. So... Do I think when I say SP- higher, I mean better? SPQR is a more robust design. Mm-hmm. If you sat them down both in both of them in front of me, I would probably four times out of five, six times out of seven, thirty-eight times out of forty, however you <laughs> want to break it down, probably pick Men of Iron. Okay. The only reason I would pick SPQR is if it's got like a really unique battle setup. Because generally speaking, I don't find the battles as interesting. Although I find that time period very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to just focus on SPQR, not consider the great battles of other great battle of history topics. Another thing SPQR is going for is the elephants, which are just a hoot yeah. to let them go cause chaos and do their thing. And then they're kind of done. Um, I would rather play Men of Iron. Good. So, uh, folks, we've recorded... 30. Almost 20 episodes together. So 35 episodes, and then Rich joined at some point. I don't even remember. Uh, I think like 12 or something. And we've never had connectivity issues until tonight. Till tonight. Must be the SPQR guys. Small. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, as soon as we start deciding SPQR versus Men of Iron, right. it all fell apart. And so give me your thoughts. I'll, I'll wrap mine up and just say I'd rather play Men of Iron SPQR is probably, if this really was an objective list, more robust. But Men of Iron is just so much snappier with less yeah, fiddliness. I, mean, I think I think Men of Iron does almost the same with less. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Perfect. Yep. So I think yeah, the maps are better. The The battles are probably more unique. Um, so... I think I think that seems like a good slot for it, though. Right around. Yeah, I was SPQR, gonna say. So yeah, yeah, because right above SPQR we have Normandy forty four, which has been a measuring stick before. We I've talked about that's well documented in past episodes. If you want to hear our thoughts, um, I don't know if it gets in front of that because yeah. gen- generally speaking, this is a great game. It's not my preferred game. Medieval, ancient, tactical holding a line formations although i find that stuff interesting not typically what i'm looking for so yeah i like i like it at 27 that feels good men of iron tripack getting slotted in at number 27 between normandy 44 and spqr deluxe mm-hmm. zeppelin raider is the 46th best war game of all time that's one way to look at it <laughs> speaking of best games of all time Yes. You have a list. <laughs> I have a list. I have a list of my top 91 games of all time. Oh, no, I got to back up. I have to redeem myself for my war game game. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to let you guess, but we got to back up real quick. We got to talk about March. February's done, baby. Oh, we yeah. Have, we have Men of Iron on the books. It's ranked number 27. We got to start looking ahead. Yes, because we're doing this again next month. 
So we have some amazing supporters of the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash history on the table, become a patron and you can hang out with us in our patron live chat and vote in our pick for each month's game. So we'll put up four to six, whatever Rich and I decide, what do we want to play? But why don't we pick or plug a couple that we are interested in Basically, we're selling ourselves to the Patreon. But why you should vote for this game? Do you have a month yeah. game in mind? Well, almost feels like cheating because I've, I wanted this one last month. But I'm going to stick with Atlantic Chase. And I'm going to stick with it until it wins. So listen up, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to play something different, pick Atlantic Chase. No, I mean, nope. I just, I, I finally did get to play this this month. It's very good. I want to play more of it. I know you're interested in the game. So it, it, I mean, I think this one needs to go on the list. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it won. There was a tiebreaker between Atlantic Chase and Men of Iron. Yeah. And Men of Iron won out. So yeah. I want to go back to I a comment. I was tiebreaker, though, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Gave you all that power. Although Volko wanted us to go with that one, too. So. That's true. It did sync <laughs> up nicely. Speaking of syncing up nicely, if we wanted to, we could also do that by picking Red Flag Over Paris by Frederick Serval. And here's yes. why, listeners. Because our list is monster game heavy. That's true. And the lighter war games, not because they're bad, tend to get outpowered, outmuscled by the big games. And I think, although it's not gonna it's not gonna cross the the Nevsky threshold, which I now I think we're saying is our de facto like fantastic. <laughs> best of the best. Yeah. I think Red Flag Over Paris could hold its own on this list. Interesting. So my pick for March is Red Flag Over Paris. You can voice your opinion by going That's to patreon.com. There you go. Slash history on the table. Casting your votes. Now, we're going to do my top 10 games. And we're going to throw One, some other ones in there too, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'll have your choice if you're like, I don't want either of those games. Yeah. You guys have been talking about those games for months. We get it. But we haven't done a deep dive. Um, and I would love to learn some more about the Paris Commune. Because if, if we're going to feature a game, I'm going to do some reading on it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'll have some other games up there that you can choose from. Like BCS is, is a contender up there. Uh, maybe Salerno if it gets here in time. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. So back to the other list. So I have a list of 91 games that are not all war games, which I just want to clear the air about. And I started this show when I first did my top 10. I did not exclude it to war games because I do not exclusively play war games. play all kinds of games. So my top 10 is not war game only. It's actually um, three, four, five, six of the 10 are war games. Four, five, yeah, six. Uh, before we get into it, did you have any like surprises from 91 through 11? I don't think there's anything that really blew me away. Um, I, it was funny because like every time you post another 10, you're like, oh, let's uh, see if you can guess what's in this 10. And it seems like every guess that I made was something that was already in there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I read them every time. But, you know, as you can tell from my war game game performance my memory isn't the best so um i don't know there was some in there that it's it's always interesting when you combine the war games with the other games to see how they filter in nothing came as a huge surprise but there was just stuff that was interesting you know i mean something that might be 
and I'm just making up numbers here, like our number 20 war game of all time might be the 40th best or the 60th best once you include the other stuff in there. Right. Like Thunder in those arcs, that yeah. is a great point. Thunder in those arcs is number 14 or so. Um, and then on my list, it's in the 20s, you know, maybe push on 30s, depending on how things shake out, because you just factor in, you know, my favorite 18xx games of all time. And I love um, dry soulless euros and, you know, uh, multiplayer solitaire and all that stuff. So that naturally bumps things back because you got to make room for it. I will say that um, some very quick math that my top 10 represents less than my top 2% of games I've ever played. Yeah. So my number 10 is really like, you're still talking about this, some of the, the best of the best in my opinion. That's sure. always worth keeping in mind. When I mean top 10, like, this isn't the top 10 games I've played of the year or anything like that. This is over 500 games mm-hmm. that I've considered to get to this list. Cool. Uh, nice. Well. I get to guess, right? But I get clues. Yeah. I get one clue for each one. Yeah. yeah. Now, some of these are really big softballs. <laughs> yeah. And so we did a little thing, and we ran a little contest ahead of the show, and it was like last minute. And so we took submissions for anyone you could guess along. So uh, I got to check some others before I announce the winner, but it was interesting to see some people's guesses based off these clues. Are you ready? Sure, let's go for it. All right, number 10 is a series of games <laughs> setting hypothetical modern warfare. I think I got this one. All right, give it to me. I'm going to go with the next war series. Yeah, so here's the deal. I love how procedural Next War is in playing and learning it. Next War is is the advanced game is a dog, right? There's so much to process, <laughs> but as long as you stick to go through the sequence of play step by step, whether mm-hmm. you're in standard game or advanced game, all of it makes sense, and I love playing all of it. Yeah, I th- I think what I'm missing for like. This, this will probably always be around the top 10. And the one thing I want is, and I think the reason it's maybe at 10 instead of a little bit higher, is I haven't played it for, well, since Vietnam came out. Okay. I didn't I didn't get a chance to play it. So it's a little bit like a lot of this other stuff I've played and has like recency bias. But I'm still like reminded like how good good it all feels and like how enjoyable it is just to like rock that sequence of play and just go through it yeah i think what i like ne- best about the next war series is it doesn't feel like a world war ii game or even a vietnam yes. game with just better equipment i think it does yes. a good job of reflecting the differences in world war ii combat versus now and obviously i'm not not a military expert but obviously is you know, someone with an interest in in history and a history background and particularly military history um following the events unfolding in ukraine i don't i don't want to seem um insensitive or anything like that because obviously that's way more serious than playing a next war game but it does seem to how events have unfolded over these last two days to a certain extent capture what would actually happen mm-hmm. i mean it, it russia launched 160 missiles on day one is what they're estimating and then it's just different little you know they tried to take that airfield those types of things it's interesting to see that shake out and then also apparently have an accurate representation on the table 
Yeah. Like, do you, do you have the same opinion? Yeah. And I was actually going to talk about this later in the other stuff, just the ongoing war and all the next war in comparison. But yeah, definitely. There's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's surreal to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if you, you follow the next war discord and stuff like that, obviously it's, it's been a big, big topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's obviously, um, it's very serious, very sad situation on, on several different levels, what's going on in Ukraine and our thoughts and prayers obviously go with everyone affected. Um, but the thing that is just blown my mind the most is how readily available everything is and mm -hmm. obviously some of it is stuff that you can't trust or misinformation on the internet sure that sure. all exists but just seeing the border footage yeah. of tanks just rolling across the border and it's there you know it's like this happened an hour ago yeah. and i'm seeing it in the comfort of my office is just fascinating yeah i remember during the gulf war when uh you know, they, they said this was going to be the first war covered live on television. And now, now we've got a war that's covered live on everyone's cell phones. Yeah. But you know, I remember when we invaded, I was talking about this last night when we invaded either Iraq or Afghanistan, like I remember going home and you, we turned on the news and it, it showed live footage, but it seemed like so far away. And all you really saw were flashes off in the distance. Yeah. And that's, that's really all I saw. And I know like more footage, obviously came out and you had reporters on the ground and all that stuff but like as this is unfolding as a country's invading like you have just footage you know like there's a cnn reporter there at the airfield that the russians had taken right yeah you know, there's just... like yeah russian paratroopers 30 feet away from the reporter they're like right. actively creating a perimeter that's <laughs> crazy and obviously this has nothing to do with the top 10 list but it is since the topic came up i, I just find it very very interesting yeah from someone who is an outside observer and not affected by it at this point. So, all right, let's get back to it. Let's talk about games. Number nine. And I guess I should say, you are obviously as big, if not bigger, fan of the next four series as I am. Yeah, I love the series. I, yeah, I was going to talk about this more later, but I, I, I've been wanting to play it more just because I always want to play it. But uh -huh. I've it's like the last week. I don't really want to play it, you know? It's right. just, it feels weird. Next point. War Taiwan is another, I mean, it's, people are talking about, I mean, that might literally be the next war, so. Sure, right. All right. Uh, so, number nine. Uh, the clue here is, I. so there were several tactical World War II titles on the list. Number nine is the best of those. It's got to be ASL, right? Advanced Squad Leader. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I The thing that's interesting about Tactical World War II is the stories that it tells. Yeah. So I remember seeing Last 100 Yards further down your list. Do you uh -huh. have ATS on your list? ATS was in front of Last 100 Yards. Okay. Got it. Uh, I could look up the number, but I think maybe in the 40s and Last 100 Yards was somewhere right around there. They were very close. Okay. But the thing I like most about tactical World War II games is you have those scenarios where you have to get across the bridge. Unfortunately, on the other side of the bridge is any some ASL kind of strong scenario point. with a bridge is amazing. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, but any scenario in general is just the capability of telling these heroic stories represented in cardboard form is what I like about specifically tactical. Well, I say World War II, but modern and World War II tactical games. Sure. Um, and I just think that ASL is 
as much of a dog it is to learn, it's also one of the most accessible. What I have found from the ASL community is the willingness to teach. Like everyone is I've interacted with is willing to teach a new person. And that's the best way to learn. And so there's so much flavor you can add in the game. There's so many different theaters you can play through. Um, does it really boil down to that much of a difference between these? No, probably not. But I think ASL is the best. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, that's your that's your number one, right? Or yeah. that's where it was yeah, that's last my time you did all time favorite game. If if I if I could get an ASL game like as much as I wanted to, I would trade every other game for it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Number eight. It's not the highest Simonich, but it is <laughs> it is my favorite Zokpon title. Yeah. I think I know which one this is. I'm guessing this one's Stalingrad forty two. It is. Okay. I knew you liked that one a lot. So no, why I haven't played this? This is this is my new Nevsky game. Like, why haven't I played this game? <laughs> Holland forty four is close, I think, because a, and you almost have similar situations on mm-hmm. a much bigger front because the Germans are. How do I? Where do I draw the line to slow down the the Americans, especially once they first break out? Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about Stalingrad is when you set up the whole campaign. And first off, I love the Zakvon series. So great series. And then you just lay out this massive Stalingrad map, and every, you're right there, front line, boom, smacked into each other. And behind the Russians, the German player can just see open Russia. You know where you have to go, and there is nothing between the front line and Stalingrad and beyond. Yeah. And it's just huge and vast, and it adds in, like, uh, train supply and, like, advancing the supply lines and, and a few extra pieces of chrome because the Zakban is actually a very welcoming introductory system it's it's very easy to pick up but it adds just enough chrome to make it like top-notch stuff and stalingrad just looks so beautiful on the table and then it, it's one of those things that playing war games is a lot of time about the experience and mm-hmm. when i first played this op- opposed it was a 2v2 game with different commanders like taking different or one side work together but our side I took one side and uh, my buddy took like the right side and we didn't really work together. We just did our own command and just like breaking it down like that. It was just, it ranks up there as one of my favorite like war game days. Yeah. And so that helps this game hold that position, but I think it's also deserving of the spot. Sure. Number eight, Stalingrad 42. Yeah. When you remember that specific experience, that's kind of how I am with Unconditional Surrender Europe. We had such a good time playing it and it's probably not as good as it is to me, but the experience of playing it was so good. Yep. And that's probably true of a lot of things on my list. Maybe objectively, it's a subjective list, right? It's my top 10, mm-hmm. but in top 91, but so many of these games will boil down to the experience. I remember it's probably why onward Christian soldiers ranks so high because that game is yeah. flawed, but what a blast of a day when I did play it. Mm hmm. What's your, I, I always forget, I, you've played a couple of these. Do you have a favorite uh, Holland so is my favorite. Okay. I've played Holland and Arden. Arden. And I'm I looking forward Arden. to playing Salerno. Yeah, and then not directly Zakban, but then uh, Africa. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, we'll talk about the GMT update, but there's an expansion coming for Stalingrad as well. Yeah, that's right. All right. Number seven. 
So if you go back through the list, Uwe Rosenberg showed up a lot. Yeah. Like all throughout. And so this is not my favorite Uwe Rosenberg, but it is my second favorite. Yeah, this one I am not confident on. Um, there's a very good chance I'll name something that you already had lower on the list. That's all right. Um, but your second favorite Uwe game, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say Agricola. No. No. Uh-uh. Uh. Caverna. Nope. No. What is it? A feast for Odin. Oh, I thought that was gonna be your favorite Uwe game. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, my most played. So. Uh, Feast for Odin is a worker placement game where you also have to make like make sacrifices of g- treasure and and different things to the gods, and you kind of lay it out in this uh, polyomino like orientation, and you can go explore new lands and lay more uh, tile pieces out, and you you place these workers, and you have to feed your Vikings, and it's all very Uwe Rosenberg Agricola gameplay. What I like most about this one is the options there's so many worker spots you can go to and it although they may not all be the best it just feels like there's hundreds of paths to victory and maybe there aren't but it's like i want to focus on this this game and i may get blown out but it just feels so good to pick something and just go try it out yeah whether it's and you have to have to be able to pivot if someone else is beating you to those options it's not as as big of beating like an Agricola if someone blocks you on wood or reeds or something like that. You're not completely blocked out, but maybe you have to go pick a less efficient spot. Yeah. Or you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll do that next go around, and I'll go right. focus on this, and I hope I get it first next time. So we've been playing this a lot. What do you think of East Frozen? I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I mean, after I played it once or twice, I bought it to play with family and we're using the norwegians expansion too which i really like so oh so i haven't even played the expansion yet it's really cool that the the biggest difference in the norwegians expansion is there's actually a fifth column and in the fifth column it's either one or two vikings if you play one you just get the action if you play two you get the action and you can play an occupation but the thing is on the fifth column if you play the fifth column your entire round is over so Oh, shoot. So, yeah. So you could even like leave Vikings, you know, that you just have to pass the rest of the time. So it's it's a pretty interesting thing because they're very powerful actions. But you're like, uh, do I want to take this now? And, you know, so it's it's good. I like it. Wow. And then the other the other big difference that I can remember is you can actually emigrate a whaler. Um, but oh. it only it only takes up one space instead of two. So that's huh. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if you haven't played Feast Road in, it is like this is just an awesome like once you grok it, it's just such a rewarding yeah. experience. It's a great worker place a game. It it's is a game that you want to play over heavy, and over though. again. Yes. It which, takes a little bit. Which we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that later. It's been a blast. <laughs> All right. Uh number six. So not a whole lot of space stuff on my list, but this is my favorite space themed game. Yeah, and I'm really drawn a blank on this one because really you, you haven't played twilight imperium have you i have you have so i don't think it's twilight imperium and i don't no. think it's space empires because you haven't played no. that enough mm. yeah, i you know this game uh is it a star wars game no no what is it i don't know this gaia, one. gaia project gaia project that's right yeah that's a good one yeah i i love gaia project i think yeah, and you got me into this one too. 
I don't always like this in games, but th- when a game does it well, I, I'm obsessed with it. And what I love about Gaia Project is there's no randomness involved. It's here's the cost of my actions, and I can see other than like the round tile that I might miss out on because you pass before me. Mm-hmm. I can plan the next eight turns out. And I can sit there and say, all right, I need three cubes, I need 20 money, and I need to do this, this, and this. I need to focus on this, but I need to do this during this round to capitalize on the most points. And that seems like a lot, but I just love it in Gaia Project. And I, whether it was in person when it first came out or now that it's on BGA, like this is a game I always want to have going on. It is very much multiplayer solitaire. There's very little interaction. You can kind of benefit from other people expanding near you. But really, you take your space civilization, you carry out the very Euro-ass actions, but you expand in space, and you terraform planets, and you research new technologies. I just love Gaia Project. Yeah, I don't know why I forgot about that one, but yeah, that's a good one. Another great BGA implementation. Yeah, a really solid one. Okay, Uh, so, like, I don't know, is that something that... I don't want to spoil it for when you revisit yours, but like, I don't know. Does Gaia Project approach your top 20, top 10 or? Yeah, I'm sure it's in the top 20. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about top 10, but yeah, it's up there. My family likes it too, which that's always a bonus. I mean, anything yeah. my family likes and I like is, is going to raise it up on the list just because I'll get to play it more. So I'm, I love like going through my like favorites and, and top and uh, top lists and stuff. And I've done that with my wife before. And so like before we recorded and I was going through it with her and we were talking about that and I was like, Oh yeah, guy projects on the list, but you don't like that one. <laughs> so. Yeah. They like that one. So. All right. Number five. So I noticed your number five and your number four clue look pretty similar. Yeah. So a series of games covering the <laughs> civil war from MMP. So I'm guessing the five is going to be line of battle. No. No. The five is GCACW. Wow. I, I thought that was going to be the other way. This is really close. And <laughs> like you're talking, you're splitting hairs. Fascinating. What? Tell what, me more. Yeah. So as a whole. It's funny because I actually was just thinking about getting GCACW back to the table as a whole. And as a, as a, I'm just going to play this over the weekend. GCACW is better. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're unfamiliar with GCACW, we've done some episodes. It's very, a maneuver based civil war game. It's not about the tactics of the battle. It's very much about carrying out operations and just kind of out pivoting your opponent, but you're not, you're not draw, driving, um, drawing up regiments or anything like that it's very uh zoomed out um and so yeah number four then was a series of games covering the civil war from mmp which is line of battle so i might as well just talk about both of them five is gcacw four is line of battle when i imagine the war game i want to play on the civil war it's line of battle my only complaint against line of battle two small ones i don't think the orders rules they need to be flushed out a little bit more. How do you actually write orders? What should they look like? My bigger complaint is that the turns can take forever because it's very OCS. You go, I go, and it's everyone. But what I love about them so is... So that's the line of battle you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and, interesting. And I can only, 
Well, it's interesting because that's a tactical game, and you don't usually think of turns being that long on a tactical game. They're very long. Okay. But it's the whole representation and a little bit of bias here because None But Heroes was really what got me into wargaming and wanting to do a podcast and this thing that eluded me for years before I finally played it and then it delivered the expectation I have and when you draw up none but heroes and you set out the whole battle of Antietam it's massive and you just have all these units spread out and it tells the story so well and I, I think that's what it comes down to is what is the game representing this is the full battle of Antietam it's here. You can play through it all. If mm-hmm. I do Antietam in GCACW, if I'm doing a, an advanced campaign, you're not really doing Antietam. You're doing the maneuvering of the Confederate and the Union armies during this time period in this region right. and where they run around. It's going to be two, three, four counters maybe. Right. And if you do the Antietam scenario, yeah, you kind of feel like Antietam, but it's more like how do you get the Union across the creek to kind of surround the Confederates, but it's not – that's thousands of men moving at once, whereas here you're you're so zoomed in. And so it's kind of that, like, what are you looking for? And I think generally speaking, I'm looking more for line of battle. If there was a way to break up the activations of line of battle, I'd be all over that in a heartbeat. It'd probably be my favorite game. Yeah. But it just takes too long. But Interesting. And I mean, so I know you loved none of it heroes. That's, that's number two on our all-time list. And then three and four are both GCACW games. So... <laughs> Now, I would not, last chance for victory, I have more of a, I want to get this before it's never available again. Yeah. Who knows when they'll reprint this. They're massive games. I'm less, someday I will do it. And that's Gettysburg, for those who don't know. Uh, I'll do it, but like if I played Line of Battle again, I, or, or I would do None But Heroes. I'd do a refresher on Jubilee's campaign, and then I would do None But Heroes. Yeah, the only one I have in that series is to take Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, and then GCACW we've gushed about before. It's amazing. The, again, five four. You're splitting hairs. You really can't go wrong. It's just what do you want to? What do you want to draw your battle lines up and like you know slowly inch forward and engage in skirmishes, and then conduct charges, then play number heroes. If you want to maneuver and just kind of run around the countryside and. Um, march around and kind of push your luck not really push your luck but push your exhaustion uh then play gccw can't go wrong that is true can't go wrong all right so number three i tried to make this one a little bit of a curveball but it was my only cowboy themed game on the list yeah and this is another one that i'm really drawing a blank on the only game i can think of is gunslinger but I yeah don't think so it, is that i don't think it's your number three of all time is it no. No. Uh, so one person did guess Gunslinger so far, and they're wrong. Uh, some other people <laughs> did guess Great Western Trail. They are right. Okay. I've never played it. I mean, I know of the game, but I've never played it. It's it's just one of my favorite Euro games. It's it's hand management. You draft these, these cows into your hand, but then you also use and spin those cows to carry out actions, and you, you actually build the board, like where you can stop as you go to Kansas city to deliver the cows in your hand, trying to make your delivery hand better when you finally get there. But the first time you go through the board is not the same as the second time you go through because you'll be placing buildings and unlocking new actions and, 
Um, you're just trying to earn money and advance d- along different tracks and hire these different like ranch hands or gosh, I don't even remember what the workers are anymore. Um, I just love it. And it's sometimes it's hard to like, what, why is great Western trail better than Gaia project? I don't know. I think they're both great at multiplayer solitaire, not a lot of interaction, although you can kind of block people in great Western trail. Um, but it's, I think it's a lot more of that. Okay. Future planning. Like, all right, here's my hand for the turn. Here's what I want to deliver. By the time I get to Kansas city, I need to stop here, do this, but then I also need to stop here and then kind of choosing like, ah, I really need to do this, but I also want to stop three turns ahead and do that. Is there any path I can take to make sure I want to do the things I'm trying to do? Mm. Yeah. I've never played it, so don't have any context for it, but that's interesting. I, I didn't know that that was that high on your list. Yeah, I I legitimately love Great Western Trail. Um, cool. I would if if we ever get the chance, I would happily happily teach it to you. Excellent. Okay, uh, number two. So one of these is a Euro, one of these is a yeah. war game. And this, so ten minutes ago, I would have said that this one was going to be uh, Feast for Odin. <laughs> yeah. So my highest Euro, my favorite Uve game. It is none of the Uve games that have been guessed or mentioned. Yeah, I'm trying to, um, you and I, a few months ago, had a discussion when I was thinking about buying a Euro for the family. Uh-huh. Uh, is it Hollertow? No. No? Actually, Hollertow is very good, but we yeah. played it and sold it immediately. Okay. Because it would never, look, Hollertow's great. I would just never pick it over the ones we own, ever. Okay. Uh, and, but some people may like it. It's actually Fields of Arl, okay. which is... Uh, that two would have been the only. next one I said only because that was the next Uve game I was thinking of. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, two player only. It's and it's it's not the breadth of actions that are in Feast for Odin. You know, Feast for Odin is so open, mm-hmm. but it does still have a sandboxy feel, meaning you can take different paths. What I love about Fields of Arl is it's this representation of you're playing a family over multi generations, and so you build out this farm. And then it turns into this this bigger open expanse and you build different buildings. And at the end of the game, you have two different phases each turn. And so only some actions are available to, to you at some points. And then, you know, the next point, then other actions are available to you. So kind of planning between those two phases mm-hmm. as you go, I think, over seven turns. What I love most is, like, at the end of this game, like, the and this is true of a lot of Uve games, you look down, your farmstead, the, this area you've built up, it's more than a farmstead in fields of armor is like the sense of accomplishment like this is what i have built and this is what i have done in this game yeah it's work replacement uh you got to feed just like everything else you know there's different resources to manage um but lots very open feel to it with just lots of good actions to take there is an expansion that you know we're so set on the base game that we've never used it it, it allows you to introduce a third person it's called t and trade i think Mm. haven't played it though i just love it uh, it and like when feast froden came out it was kind of like always between feast froden this great western trail and viticulture viticulture has kind of fallen back a little bit yeah um, for me too yeah and i still i mean like it's still top 20 yeah um but this just i don't know something about fields of Arl. i just love seeing that end result do you have a guess on number one well, it's the best war game ever made, so it, it's Advanced Squad later. No. No? No. Is it so everyone the US who's, Civil War? <laughs> it is. Everyone who submitted a list 
um, got this one right. I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the U.S. Civil War. If you're just listening to the podcast for the first time, um, the U.S. Civil War is a combination of like talking about Stalingrad with like just amazing gameplay experiences. It's a combination of great war game design, a fun game to play, forced very tough decisions by by wanting to do and needing to do a million things, but only a certain amount of actions. You know, like you're Lincoln pounding your fist in Washington, like good god mcclellan like do something but really you can't do anything and then it just it tells amazing stories my very well, first it's like i we... can't because we both rolled a two and i only get one action <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> you explain that and we made a lot of mistakes in my first game like cut out we only took one activation each turn which yeah, oh, would have been impossible for the union but i've since learned um and like it ended in this massive showdown at like uh, I guess it was a couple years later, but it would have been Bull Run is where the battle took down and like came down. It's like, all right, if I don't take this hex from the Confederates, the Union loses. It's like we had this massive dumped everything we could in there, and that's how it ended. And it just tells these great stories. You know, you try naval invasions. I tried like shooting through. Um, Run um, the blockade. Yeah, um, but I'm trying to think of what what's that mountain pass in in East Tennessee? Like I tried invading through there one time, and it just oh, like yeah. took, like I try to get cute with my actions, <laughs> and I like exploring that in the U.S. Civil War. And I like that you can, even though it probably won't work for you. Mm. It's a sandboxy, grand strategic U.S. Civil War game, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Um, I love playing it. I need to play it again it's been it's probably been more than a year now since i played that game so it's due up well that's too long sir <laughs> the only reason i haven't played it is because we're playing the civil war which is also very good yeah but not as good i don't think it'll ever dethrone it but who knows it's also when whenever we rank the civil war we'll have your input we'll see if you can talk me out of it <laughs> Wow. Okay, there it is. Uh, my top ten. I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, I think they're all great games, and all of them are worth checking out. So, all right. Uh, we have a listener question that we meant to read last time, and we didn't get to it. You want to do that? Yeah, I'll read it. Uh, yeah. I, ju I just spent an obscene amount on a game. I have wanted for a long time. <laughs> so my question is: At what point does a game simply cost too much? Or is there no limit you should be prepared to play a game you must have? Or if there is a limit, what's a reasonable one? This question came from Justin. Yeah. Um, what's the most you've ever paid for one game, Matt? Excluding, like, collectible card games and, like, individual pieces or, like, yeah. X-Wing pieces? Um, probably when MMP found Last Chance for Victory. Yeah. I can um, I can probably even find the receipt and yeah. full disclosure tell you how much I paid. I for paid, it. Uh, I think probably the most expensive retail game I have would be Atlantic Wall, the Goss game. Mm. That's I don't know, that's high hundreds, maybe maybe two hundred. I can't remember exactly. I think the most I've ever paid, sort of like overpaid for a game, um, was Downtown, which is out of print. And a couple of years ago, I actually I bought myself a birthday present. I got one on eBay and I got it for $150. But, you know, retail, that's like a, I don't know, $60, $75 game or something like that. So that one I actually overpaid for. I spent 
uh, $198 on Last Chance for Victory. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I did also buy Hakapale, which I am playing, um, which is the Second World War series. And those are like... Oh, yeah. I was thinking the love. ASL module. I'm like, that's not that much. <laughs> well, I think it's out of print. When it comes back in, yeah. it will go down. Um, gosh, what did I pay for Hakapale? Probably more than I want to admit. Yeah. I mean... Rising Sun for ASL, same kind of thing. I that was that might have been two hundred bucks even on pre order. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean I think what this comes down to is a lot of it's uh subjective. Uh, right. I nope. mean obscene so, means different things for different people, so Right. Um I am I have had a price watch on Battle Above the Clouds. Yeah. Which is um GCACW. GCACW in the West in, in Tennessee. And I've thought about pulling the trigger on that. I'm a little more reluctant on things that I know will become available again. I don't know if Last Chance for Victory, if it gets reprinted, is going to retail for $198. So when they found a copy and that right. was the retail price, I j- jumped on that. Yeah. That's kind of how I was. Actually, now that I think of it, talking about the finding stuff, I think Feshtung Budapest. Yeah, that was over 200 when they found that. But, you know, I mean, it's Budapest. You know, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to actually answer the question, though, right. I mean, if you're, if you're paying your bills, you know, I mean, some guy's going to go out and spend... $600 to save four ounces on a bicycle part. Some other guy is going to buy something for his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost several hundred bucks. If, if you can afford it, then money is meant to be spent. I mean, if you're paying your bills and your, your kids and your wife have food and everything, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks on a game. If you want to spend $500 on case blue, go for it. I, I, now that said, if you put that on your credit card and you're never going to pay your credit card off and 20 years from now, that 500 is going to be a thousand yeah, or 10,000 or whatever interest comes to maybe that's not such a good idea. Um, so there's, there's no number that's a reasonable limit. I just think that if it fits into what's reasonable for you, then I, I don't have any problem. Even if someone else looks at it and goes, well, that's stupid that you spent 500 bucks on cardboard. Well, you know, you spent 500 bucks on something else stupid, and this is going to get me a lot of enjoyment. So yeah. I'm telling you to do it. Yeah, go for it. Cut yeah. loose. <laughs> uh, I, I First off, I agree 100%. That's the obvious answer that makes sense. I think from like a, like a very specific, you know, like Atlantic Chase right now is going for an absurd amount of money. Right. I and would not pay that in that case because you can go and throw in a P500 order on GMT's website. Now, you don't know exactly when Exactly what coming, I did. <laughs> but you know that that's at least in GMT's forecast. Now, right. on MMP, I'm willing to roll the dice because you only get one update a year, generally speaking. Sometimes you get some new announcements like something's coming on for pre-order. Um, and I did not get on to Richmond. Like, I'm not going to buy on to Richmond because on to Richmond 2 is coming. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think it, it's I agree 100 percent what you said, but also like it's probably within your interest. Like if you want DAC 2, which is probably the game I want more than that and uh, Battle Above the Clouds, like my, the two games I want most. Right. Um, do some research and see, like, what's the realistic possibility of DAC 2 getting reprinted? And if it is, 
when was it originally printed and is it realistic for MMP to print a game with that many counters in 2022 at the same price? Because generally speaking, the answer is no. Sure. But also, like, if it is getting reprinted, then don't do it. Yeah. Is kind of how I feel. I would say the other main question to ask is, are you going to play it? Yep. If you're going to play it, it's probably worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff factors in. Also, there's the Tom Vassell approach. And it's a little bit different, I think, with Wargaming. But generally speaking, his approach is, if a game is good enough, it will become available again. And he uses that a lot for Kickstarter. Like, if a Kickstarter game is good enough, it'll become available to the public. For some reason, downtown is not being... eh, I don't get that, but I got a copy, so... All right. Uh, well, so we have a few other things. We're, we're two hours in, which is fine by me, uh, but we have a whole bunch of other stuff we want to talk about. Um, so great question, Justin. Thanks for sending that in. I think it honestly, Rich nailed it on the head. That's the real answer. Like, what are you comfortable with? Are, are you doing making sure all your ends are met? Great. And then have some fun. Sure. It's cardboard and it's your hobby. Do your thing. Uh, so. Uh, we have a Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes. If you want to join, come hang out. We're voting on the Every War Game Ever list as it stood at the end of the year. So the Discord is ranking it. Uh, you can enter contests like guessing the top 10 or just hang out and uh, talk about miniature gaming or whatever else pops up. So welcome. Come and join us. Uh, designers on the mic coming up. We got Volko Runke interview. Go check that out. I had a lot of fun talking to Volko. We got Fred Sval coming up. So those quick updates and plugs are done. GMT monthly update. Did you get a chance to look at that, Rich? I did, yeah. Only one new P500, and it looks pretty interesting. Looks very interesting. I'm going to let you uh, say the name of it. Dang it, I was going <laughs> to say that. Uh, uh, Quius Regio, I'm going to guess, something like that. Yeah, it's a, 30 the Years 30 War. 30 Years War game, yeah. And the map looks really cool. I don't. It's very interesting map. It's got the... Uh, I don't know what you like the hex vertexes rather than the full lines. It it just looks really good. Yeah. So designed by Francisco Gradial. Is that the game designer or the? That's the game designer. Okay. Um, Has he done anything else? Yes, he's working on the um, Inferno. Oh, okay. This is the one. This is the one where I couldn't remember his name, and we were talking about all the stuff oh, coming right. out for yeah. Levy and Campaign. Yeah, I believe he's doing Inferno. Okay. And so this is another game from him, but this is not no, a Levy he, Campaign. He's doing game. Plantagenet. Oh, Plantagenet's very yeah, interesting. Okay, even better. That's that, that's the one that I'm waiting for to come out. But this is not Levy and Campaign. Correct. Uh, so yeah, that looks good. And then everything else was just reprints. Um, yeah. So one thing that caught my eye is the next game from mm, the designer of Sekigahara, which is Matt Calkins. Oh yeah, uh, Charioteer, which looks like a fun little chariot racing game, uh, should be was like if I look ahead, I was like, what's coming soon? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at the printer. Okay, cool. Yeah, speaking then, of printer, they said that all that that big huge pile of games yeah. that we were all expecting last month, they said are supposed to be shipped by. Next Friday, which, you know, depending on where this drops, should be this Friday for you guys, a, a week from when we're recording this. Yep. And then right after that is your Civil War, which yep. is charging soon. And then Almoravid is on the way. And then we have Charioteer 
and Red Storm Baltic approaches, and uh, let's see, a Fire in the Lake expansion, and some other stuff. Yeah. And then, a Stone and then the one thing to... on the horizon, it's often like a guessing game, but the one thing that really caught my eye is a new tactical air game from Lee Bremicone Wood. Yeah, let's go through those. Uh, so what do you think that's going to be? Do you well, think that's going to be... I'm hoping it's along the lines of downtown and Red Storm. I mean, obviously that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I don't know that I'd call that tactical, though. Um, but he also did the uh, the other series. What's it? Wing the, Leader. Wing, Wing Leader. Leader, yeah. He did yeah. those as well. So Yeah, so they worded it as a new tactical air game. So right. doesn't say series or anything like that. Yeah. It could be something along the lines of Buffalo Wings or something like that, maybe. I mean, obviously not that series, but that type of game. Oh, yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, a new expansion for a popular World War II series. Simonich game, maybe? Yeah, an expansion for, I mean. I mean, a yeah, popular but then you get like, World War II series, that could be a million things. But right. GMT, I kind of lean towards Simonich, the Zokbon. Zokbon, fast action battle, no yeah. retreat, combat commander. Yeah, it could be. Uh, a dual pack introducing a new operational combat series. No guess on Isn't, that at all. What's, what is the series for Silver Bayonet called? <laughs> you asked me this before in the War Game Game game. It's operational system. Operational combat series. And that series, which includes Operation Mercury, Silver Bayonet, Airbridge of Victory and Operation Shoestring are all the operational system from GMT. Maybe it's something in that line? That'd be interesting. Hmm. And then new contents for Commands and Colors. Like, yeah, which could just be like a new nation for one of the sure. existing. Nice. Well, a short update, but there's uh, yeah, there's lots of good stuff in there. Wait for, wait for that big box to show up on my porch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, That's have we right, talked about yeah. what? No, I, I was going to say, have we talked about how um, how our logo is, is in the GM up, GMT update now? Is it? Yeah. I didn't scroll that far down, I guess. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll, scroll down. down. Scroll down, They're so far to scroll. I never make it this far down. There we are. There it is, right the next little to table. Once Upon a Game. There we are. All right. Nice. Well, probably because there's some GMG games on my list. Under blue tweezers. Oh. Uh, nice. That's click a logo GMG. to read or watch a recent. Let's see if I click the logo. Where does it take us? There it is. Matt's top games of all time. There you go. Yeah. A number of GMT games on that list. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so train talk. Um, do we need to be like other train podcasts and come up with a clever name for our train segment? Maybe we just need a whole new train podcast to go with your tiki podcast. No, and... <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, my gossip girl podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm curious, like, I don't know, like hot something. But then, like, I'm always worried, like, is that a train term? Is that like a sexual innuendo for something like that? So, yes. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, I was going to talk about the cube rails, but where I did it, I think what I'll say is Chicago Express is really good. I already mentioned that ride the rails was really good. Like it's, it's very similar to Paris connection, which you've played, uh -huh. but it's better. And like, I feel like the decisions are more interesting. Like you're still drafting trains to represent stock, 
but then you also like use everyone's rails to transport passengers. So you want to go as far as possible, but if you use someone else's to make your points go up, you're also going to be paying out to those shareholders. And so you may be increasing someone else's wealth as you increase yours. And so it's kind of like weighing that against like using the maximum amount of rail possible. So you, you build out like Paris connection and mm-hmm. then you deliver passengers. It's really good. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I've been on, like, on an 18xx craze. I don't know if I need to go into it. I've been playing 1870 and giving that a little bit more of a, yeah. like, pulling those levers. The first time I played, I got stomped. Um, and then now I'm, I'm trying to dive in with a little bit deeper appreciation. Yeah, I have not been doing much 18xx lately. I've been slow. Are you playing any? Um, the one game I have is, I think it's basically permanently on hold, so not really. Okay. Uh, so the another thing I wanted to talk about is we had an interesting game. It was a you. It was you, me, and uh, Lawrence. Uh, it was was eighteen forty six. We played as a three player game, and it was it was really weird because it's like all the railroads got bought up really quickly. Like no one no no one ever ran out of trains or anything. That just like the money just ramped up and ramped up and ramped up, and the bank broke really quickly. It was a, a it was an odd game. Oh, 89. Was that 89 that we did that? We played with Gersh. Yeah, 89 is a great game. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think anything crazy happened, and that was a close one, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, 89's good. But what we have been playing with Bo nonstop is Feast for Odin. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the three of us have played, I'm sure you're tracking it, is it 12 games in a row now? I think we're on game 12. (laughs) And I've been third place in every single one. So no, no, I finished second once. <laughs> it's uh, but I feel good I about this one. I am not. I am not <laughs> liking how I'm playing. So like, what's so great about BGA is last month we started doing this, and it's like well, let's just go again, and yeah. it's like well, let's keep going, and then now it's just automatic. Like wrap up, and some days we'll like finish in a day, especially. Yeah, some days we'll we'll play. We there's been one time we played a whole game in a day, but often we'll get to like the last one or two turns, yeah. and then we're all online and just playing nonstop. Bo's like fighting off the, the sleep because yeah, he's where in is Sweden. He? He's in Sweden. It's, Sweden. That's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> it, like probably staying up to like it is funny. Like then we'll have a rush <laughs> and then wrap it up, and it's like here we go again. Yeah, and like, like without a doubt. Bed. <laughs> There was one point around game seven or eight. It's like, well, maybe I'm done with this. And I'm like, no, because like <laughs> either I lost or I didn't do well. And then I'm like, nope, I got to I got to do better than this. And I know I can. Like one guy beat me one time. I played with a random one time and he scored like 150 points. And I've played this game over 30 times. Wow. And I don't understand. I still don't get how he scored 150 points on me. And I don't know if I can ever replicate that. Yeah, I scored. The only time I've scored over 100 was. I played with my family on the table a couple weeks ago and I don't remember what I got, but it was over a hundred. I'm like, wow, that, that was a really good one. Did you, did you immigrate and they didn't? <laughs> that's a good way to pick up points with others. Don't. Uh, I'm sure I emigrated. I might've even emigrated three on that one. Yeah. That's a good, which I mean, that's like around 60 points right there. So depending on which right. ships you use. Uh, it's just been good. Like BGA has been great for that. And then I started uh, with some other people. I started playing uh, Chicago Express and like we played one and then racked it up again. And same with El Grande, which is a game I've always wanted to play. Okay. Same thing. Rap- and that's an area majority game. Have you ever played that? No. It's like a classic. It's mean. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you see it in game stores and it's got like some dude's face on it and it's been around <laughs> for like 95 yeah. is when El Grande came out. Um, and you just place your little meeples and try to have the most meeples in this location. But then like some cubes are like, send everyone else's meeples home in that region. And like, I had no idea it'd be like that mean and intense. I was like, Oh, look at these cute little meeples. Not cute. Look at these little meeples you're placing around whatever, I guess we're in Spain, uh, around Spain. And then some of them were like, Nope, those are gone. Yeah. I played, uh, innovation with my wife. Oh couple months about two weeks ago me and my wife and my daughter and my wife was getting so pissy it was i mean <laughs> it was like uncomfortable how angry she was and then she ended up winning the stupid game that's <laughs> how it goes yeah i know <laughs> never changing board state <laughs> all right we had alluded to this earlier you, you had a question though and i think that'd be a good good way to wrap up and yeah yeah so i mean the actual ongoing war. I mean, it's it's funny because obviously I'm a huge Next War fan. I'm on the Next War Discord, and then if you go on Facebook, like the War Gamer pages, Next War is, is a popular topic because it's such a good game. So I've noticed a couple things. I mean, one, everybody is asking Mitch about Next War Ukraine now. Like, and, and this this didn't just start this week. This has been over the last few weeks, maybe months, as because we all saw this coming. Um, and they've been asking him about this. And then the other thing is people are asking about Taiwan a lot because there's a lot of people, including myself, maybe that are wondering if China is going to be like, well, hey, if we can invade other nations now, um, <laughs> let's just do that. But it's I don't it's it's just funny because it feels weird. Like, I don't I don't really want to play next war right now just because it's it's just a little too close to home. So I'm kind of. You know, it's nice that we're playing something older. We're playing, you know, uh, Men of Iron, and I'm looking at Vietnam, which even then, though, I mean, there's still a lot of Vietnam veterans around. So I don't know. Right. I was just curious to know what you thought about that. If it, I'm not saying I'm giving up on wargaming or anything like that, but if you have weird feelings about it with this going on right now. Uh, do I have, uh, yeah, I have lots of weird and not weird feelings and emotions and, and interest. And I, I want to reiterate that a lot of this I'm capable of saying because we're sitting in the comfort of our home mm-hmm. and this isn't a threat we're dealing with. Um, although I raised the question of, wow, this is playing out kind of how next war represented it. Although I had that realization, I, I don't think I have an interest in, Next War is not going to be the next game I play. I'm not saying that this is souring me on that or anything like that. I'm not trying to be, you know, like really hyperbolic here or anything like that. But no, I think um, even if a serious topic, uh, if a war game's portraying a serious topic, like gaming still for me is oftentimes an escape from the stresses of real world, even when you're dealing with like serious subject matters. And so, no, I don't have, like, weird feelings on, like, wargaming, but I would probably be turning to, like, other topics just to, like... And that's drone out all the noise in my life, work, and and just I want to relax with a war game. And so I'd probably, you know, something less topical, I guess. Yeah. It is kind of weird, though. I mean, obviously, Ukraine... <laughs> got you know you if you play a world war ii eastern front game you're gonna be right back in ukraine and 
you know, I was looking at a picture someone posted somewhere and it was a picture from World War II. And I I think it might have been in Lvov or one of the cities that's, you know, currently seeing fighting again now. And it was a picture of a a tank rolling through the streets there. And I was just thinking, I'm, I'm very happy that I live in a place that has not had tanks rolling through the streets twice in the last century. Right. So... Yeah, I don't know. Just something to think about is is weird. I don't. Um, I'm sure it's not going to make me like Next War any less. In fact, you know, one thing that has got me interested. I've never played Next War with the uh, the Cyber War supplement, uh-huh. and I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Because obviously, there's a lot of that that goes on behind the lines, beyond the the rocket attacks and the tanks and everything else. So it does maybe you know it's funny. Like remember you talked about when maybe it was around when uh trump went to go visit north korea or or something happened with north korea I remember you pulled out north korea and played yeah. it yeah it and was ma- on uh it was on april fool's day, oh, april fool's day. <laughs> yeah. that's right i think yeah. it was either last year or two years ago it was during the pandemic because i remember thinking it's during a pandemic on april fool's day now would be a good time to invade because no one's gonna believe <laughs> right and i mean i i feel like that's that's different but yeah. also like i'm also not gonna fault someone for like yeah, obviously there would be it'd be topical to play next war Taiwan right now. Like I completely understand yeah. that. That's not a I don't think anyone yeah. should feel guilty about that. Uh, I'm not the, even saying that. If but. if there was a next war Ukraine game, I don't think I'd be playing it this week. Yeah, I don't. Again, don't want to sound over dramatic. I don't think I would be either. Yeah. Well, that was a good one, Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, in all seriousness, it's. You know, I, I think I was asking a similar question online somewhere. And I mean, it, in all honesty, there's there's never been a time in human history when somebody wasn't at war with somebody. So um, try to be sensitive. And like I said, I don't want to play next war Ukraine right now. I'm definitely thinking about those people there and how horrible that is. But um, that's I don't I don't play war games because I'm enthralled with the idea of killing right. civilians and wiping out a city that's not why i play so i play to understand the history and you know uh at some point there might be a game that has this war in ukraine and it might be interesting to understand the history from it for sure i mean it's <laughs> vietnam was pretty bad and that's at the top of my list to play right now so right right but well, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. I don't really need to expand on it. And I think what you said is right and accurate. I don't think I'm playing these games to... I'm not coming at these games from the wrong perspective. Yeah. So, But I also understand some people don't want to approach these games at all because of the subject matter. And that's also obviously 100% and completely okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I saw... History's tough. I mean... History is it, tough. It's interesting. Obviously, we're we're fans of it, students of it, but human history is is not always pretty. I'm gonna. This is maybe shows like my materialistic side more than I I want to. But um, obviously, anyone who's trying to flee Ukraine and, and trying to get into Poland or, or wherever they may be heading, obviously, has so much more on their mind. Or if they're stuck in Ukraine, whatever. But I was on Reddit yesterday, and I, I don't know if this was verified or not, but someone posted, like, hey, this is my Warhammer painting 
over the pandemic and they lived in Ukraine and they were sharing it because they didn't know like, and I'm just thinking like, wow, there is someone like, you know, like if that happened here, one, I'm not stopping to take a picture of like my war game collection or my my unpainted minis. Right. But like, what a like, obviously there's way more things that are tragic and more serious than a Warhammer collection, but like, what a like, I don't know. It's just kind of like surreal to like think about like, oh my gosh, this guy is in like now a war zone and he has some of the best painted Warhammer yeah. minis I've ever seen in my life. And like, those don't matter. And right. it was just, it was really weird to look at that. It, and this was last night. And I don't, obviously I don't know um, how that individual's doing or anything like that. Obviously I hope he's okay. Um, it was just very weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very thankful to be living here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll end on that somber note. Um, but obviously, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone in Ukraine and everyone around the world while these events unfold. So, okay. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash history on the table. Uh, you can join our Discord. Uh, I'm going to post a link in the... I always say, like, ask us. I'm just going to post it and join it. I think the community has built itself up now that... I was, like, worried about weirdos before. But I'm just going to share it. Uh, you can join or not join. It's up to you. Uh, we have a website. That's where we talked about our top lists. We have, I guess, top fives. Hopefully more articles. Always looking for more articles. Uh, I think there's a guest top five that should be coming soon. And then, uh, so check that out. History on the table.com. Uh, the website for the convention historic fest is historic. H I S T O R I K C fest.com. There'll be links for all those in the show notes. Rich, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on the discord all the time and Twitter as well. It's usually the other best place to find me. I'm Trapeer junior on there. Yeah, and you can find me on there at History Table Pod. You can shoot us an email. It's History Table Podcast at gmail.com. Folks, that's going to do it for us. The votes for next month's game will go live shortly as soon as Rich and I fill out the rest of the list. Uh, you got anything else? Mm. No, I'm not going to be able to go to my group's war game day this month because I'm going out of town for a wedding. So I'll have to find time to play something. But I'm definitely going to be on Vassal playing Vietnam. Yeah, and hopefully ASL and Alberti's Burning and all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Everyone, uh, have a good weekend, have a good month, and we'll be back. We'll talk to you soon. Good night, everyone.